All right, who's standing up and who's bleary-eyed today, laying down like, I need a nap. What is going on? Well, apparently something called daylight savings time in most places. I should be back in Arizona or Hawaii where they don't do that. Just pick a time and stick with it already. Anyway, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show, cranking it up on a Monday afternoon in North America for the most part. Yes, Uh, United States here, March 13th, Monday, first airing. Those of you watching live, share the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. We got a chat room. Love to see what you got going on because we got a cool couple of guests. First hour, Hall of Famer John Stockton joins us. Good luck me not talking any basketball, but health freedom is on the line. Medical freedom on, on the line. And John Stockton is one of those health freedom heroes, not afraid to speak up and stand up for what's right. We'll talk with him momentarily. Hour two, another medical freedom hero. Dr. Pierre Corey joins us as we are um, joined by our friends on Brideon.tv in hour two. So a lot of a lot of freedom on the line is always here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Get your friends, join us in here right now. Comment, question, whatever you got, and let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I've been looking forward uh, to today's broadcast for a while, uh, knowing that we were going to have uh, Hall of Famer basketball player John Stockton on. Uh, and, and it really wasn't even because of his basketball prowess and all the things uh, Super Don and I watched when we were in, in the heyday of the, the, the glory days of our memory of NBA, but because we followed him and covered his story here on this show when he stood up against mask mandates and things. So uh, there's more to it than that. I will, we'll get to that with John Stockton this hour. Very excited. And then Pierre Corey in hour two, uh, really the oh, man, the movement back toward freedom tends to only happen when you're about to lose it. We've had a great run in the United States of America. We have kind of placated the idea of freedom all the while freedom has eroded. And as you've learned, if you've listened to my show for years, I've argued that our ignorance about our own bodies and our own health and healthcare has been a primary means by which they've removed freedom from us or us from freedom because of fear. Fear being the operative uh, technique to cause people to do crazy, stupid stuff. And when we look at this House vote, interestingly enough, as we open the show today at at the notes at robertscabell.com, House votes, United States House uh, representatives, votes unanimously to declassify intelligence on origins of COVID pandemic, sending the bill to Biden. Good luck if he's going to sign it, but it wouldn't be good PR for him to kind of go, oh, no, no, we should keep it secret. But a unanimous vote, that doesn't happen. That's kind of weird. I think everybody is now embarrassed to go, oh, no, no, we shouldn't reveal the origins of COVID. So this is after the Department of Energy of all says, yeah, it's possible. It could be a lab leak from probably just an accident, though. We don't want to implicate the Chicoms and their enemy status because they still, still hold apparently so much debt over our heads and they buy up the planet and influence many of our uh, elected and unelected uh, so-called representatives uh, and influence uh, people like the Biden family, crime family, um, you know, check out Biden's son, see what's going on there. But we have a unanimous vote to reveal what 
is patently obvious to most everyone that uh, the Chinese, and I don't talk about the average Chinese person. I mean, it's like they don't give a flip. They're trying to survive under, under some form of uh, hybrid communism. But the Chinese Communist Party there, the CCP, man, anything they can do to weaken America. And, of course, our policies of uh, economic disasters based on the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 have caused us to become weaker on the world stage, not stronger over the years, even though we had the ability to write checks that never had to be cash per se because they're based on what? Nothing. The debt that they could place on you, your kids, your grandkids. And this is another reason why when I learned about this a long time ago, uh, when I got married, we didn't ask for permission. We didn't get a license from the government. It's like, why would I invite a vampire into my marriage between me, my wife and God? It makes no sense to me. Of course, it's something we all just did. Not realizing the whole basis of a marriage license came after uh, the civil war. If a white person wanted to marry a black person, you had to get permission of the government. Oh, hence a license. And then suddenly it expanded over time. I'm like, well, everybody has to get it. Really? You used to record these big events in the family Bible. It was a religious thing and boom, you're done. And then having kids. I'm like, do I want my kids to be wards of the state ever? No, not really. So we elected not to get birth certificates, nor number them like cattle. And people go, well, that's the weirdest thing ever. Well, is it? Did we survive as a nation before there was a Federal Reserve system that wanted to number everybody so they could lay that debt on future generations or export the debt as long as we could be the world reserve currency through gunboat diplomacy, so to speak? We're, I mean, it's, it's an astonishing thing to witness history differently than we all if we were products of government indoctrination centers like I was, public schools, to wake up and realize we've been lied to about almost everything. And realizing I've been lied to about my health, my first 19 years raised medically, pharmaceutically, allopathically, I was going to go be a doctor. I went to Emory and my uncle, the doctor, my uncle, doctor, uncle Bob said, don't become a doctor. Like uncle Bob, you're a doctor. What are you talking about? It's a disaster. You don't, this is back in the eighties. You don't even want to know what's happening already with the government intruding and our ability to help people. What it's going to be later is going to be. And he just told me that. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm a kid, right? What do you mean? Years later, I would understand is every ailment, illness, symptom, um, emotion diagnosed as an FDA approved drug deficiency. Back in the day I grew up, we didn't have that many vaccines, although the smallpox vaccine was still being given until the, the early 70s. And I got hammered by that and revaccinated the temple of my forehead. Devastating headaches in childhood. I mean, a lot of adverse events from that, but still, they never really put anything together on it till much later when the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program came into being under Reagan. Reagan was reticent to, to sign it, but he did. He said, there are gonna be problems, and there are. Removing liability like a king, queen, or emperor can only do in other forms of government. Say, you are a friend of the king, therefore anything you do, you can rape, you can pillage, you can burn, you can kill, and nothing will, bad will happen because you're my friend. Right? That's those kind of things, monarchy. That was not supposed to be here in the United States of America, but we devolved. We moved away from that. And if you'll read Jonathan Emord's book about the authoritarians, the rise from the you know progressive era of the late uh, 19th century to today, you'll understand how we got here. You'll know how we got here. And if you don't know how we got here, like most people serving in the United States Congress and the Senate and the president, you don't know or you don't care to know how we got here. There's no way you can, quote unquote, fix it or undo it. You'll just be dancing around the, you know, or rearranging the deck chairs. You know what I'm saying? So we have a vote that's like, oh, great, transparency suddenly in. 
But there, here's an article uh, from Brownstone Institute. We love their articles. John uh, Tamney wrote this. It says, regardless of virus origins, freedom is the answer. Now, I'm not saying like he is like, who cares about the virus origins? I think there's still a story to be told about how that happened, including coming through UNC Chapel Hill, gain of function research through NIAID, NIH, Fauci and others, and then exporting that when they were told you can't do that here to China. These are criminal activities, criminal actions that should be in, you know, there should be consequences to those things. But we suffer as Americans, the consequences, because our government went all in on lockdowns and shutdowns. And even as good as Trump is on some things, he fell prey to the propaganda, too. And then warp speeded a dangerous mRNA technology into existence and into the arms of so many. Now, Biden did the mandates. Trump's not a mandate guy. I'll give him credit for that. But the mandates, the prohibitions, the restrictions on freedom of speech resulting in what? A lack of freedom where freedom would have solved this thing almost from the word go, which would have addressed the vulnerable in our country or anywhere and said, those are the people we need to protect. Everybody else is at little or no risk. And the freedom of doctors and non-doctors and all doctors, including naturopaths and homeopaths and chiropractors to come together and you know what? Here's what's working. Here's what's not. That freedom would have solved this before it ever became the crisis. But because the majority, unfortunately, of Americans and people in the West still are afraid of germs, whether they're called bacteria, viruses or funguses, that fear was exploited and will be exploited again until we grow up and mature. Not just immunologically, but spiritually to recognize that God didn't put these things on the planet to kill us. In fact, our microbiome, bacteriological and virome, if you will, so critical for life itself. The messages have not been getting out. And in fact, those who have been saying it like me for many decades or those that have just awakened in the COVID crazy three years we're in. They were shouted down. They were denigrated. They were threatened with loss of licensure. Great people that we've featured on this show. Peter, uh, Peter McCullough, of course. Uh, now today we'll have uh, Dr. Pierre Corey as well. Welcome. The water's warm. It's not toxic. It's not conflicted with pharmaceutical conflicts of economic interest. And there are people that have spoken out from all walks of life, all backgrounds, including the sporting world, which is, you know, interesting. We featured some of those folks. And of course, we've highlighted and spotlighted those in, in music and in media. It's very rare when they'd speak out and say, you know, we, we, we should stop this. And in fact, there were some people that we would disagree with on a lot politically. But they came out and said, you know, what? I'm wrong about this thing, this mandate, these shots. Where's freedom? Where's freedom? And yet so many remained silent and just either got the shot or fake that they got the shot, but didn't stand against it. Like my guest this hour who stood up and spoke out and there's probably a longer history. Maybe we'll have time to get to that and how he saw through this and why he was willing to stand up despite all of the claims to be an anti-vax or any other denigrated term they can throw at him and any of us. I welcome to the Robert Scott Bell show for the first time. Hall of Famer in the NBA, John Stockton. John, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here, Robert. Thanks for the invite. Dude, I, I'm so excited. Now, I, I learned about you not in your basketball era, but in your health freedom <laughs> uh, stance uh, from Fred Roberts, another NBA player that I interviewed for a, a documentary we just released called Utah Safe and Effective. And it's uh, it'll be out in wide release starting Wednesday for free for everybody. But he told me about, hey, John's organized this group and their meeting. We're talking about all these athletes, former and, and current and, and, and referees and coaches, anybody who's willing to say, hey, there's a problem here. 
And if you if you don't mind telling me how that came about, I mean, was it something that goes back decades for your suspicion about maybe that modern medicine aligned with government doesn't have our best interest always? Well, I guess I'll go back to the history of how, how we came to be this before we the Voices for Medical Freedom is the name of the group. And before I get to that, it's, yeah, I, I was around a chiropractor when when I joined the jazz this gosh, almost 40 years ago. And kind of thought he was a quack. I wasn't experienced with, with chiropractors or anything other than medicine. My mom was a nurse, my sister's a nurse. So uh, I fo- followed that path pretty consistently, whatever they asked for, I did. And so um, it took me a couple years and, and this man, Dr. Bueller, Craig Bueller, by the way, in, in Utah, he had to earn my trust over a long period of time. And he did so kind of incredibly. And we can get into those stories if you're more interested, but you're in my trust completely. And and as we started having kids, my wife and I started having kids. He mentioned, you know, maybe think about not vaccinating your kids. Oh, you're out of your mind, buddy. We're, these are safe. We don't want to get these diseases. And, And he said, well, you know, here, take a look at this, take a look at this. So, 35 years later, I, I've had a chance to read and, and think and, and listen and learn a lot. And uh, boy, he hit it right on the head way back when. And then, of course, COVID blew, blew the curtains off all this. So you can just see it so clearly now. Yeah. And you can't remain silent now because of what you're seeing. So at least I can't. So that's how I, I came to that. So um, I met Ken Rutgers. Uh, he's a former offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. He won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre and that crew. And Mike Fisher, a 19-year veteran, the NHL with the Predators, and not all with the Predators, but finished with the Predators, and uh, just really great people that have a, a similar way of thinking about this. And we've been trying to get more people informed, more people to join on and say and start using your voices. Don't self-censor. Yes. You know, we're all quiet because of the pressures, and uh, we're just trying to get people to speak out, and, and uh, that's kind of the genesis. Yeah, we had some examples of uh, uh, football players like. Uh, the quarterback for Green Bay now, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Cole Beasley, I think, was with Bills who spoke out and said, I'd rather quit than, than be forced into that. And to my, in my mind, these are heroes in their own right, just simply in any profession that they're willing to stand against uh, the tyranny of the mandate because of the fear. And they, of course, were accused of you know wanting to kill grandma, any number of, of, of fear-based uh, unsubstantiated statements. But, you know, they worked well for people that still – uh, live under the peer pressure that we thought we left in high school, but it's very real in adulthood, in any profession, in the sports world. It's like, man, to speak out, you're going to be, you're going to be hammered. Those guys took major steps. I mean, I, it's one thing I'm retired. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm sacrificing, frankly. I'm just afraid of not having people hear what I know, but those guys are risking a lot. They're risking, frankly, millions of dollars, uh, promotional opportunities, fame. And, and I know in, um, uh, in Cole Beasley's case, he's an all pro wide receiver next year. He can't get a job. And what's the difference he, that he, that he used his voice. So, you know, there's some risks out there. And yet um, I think at the end of the day, when you look at your kids, grandkids and the future of the, the world and our country, uh, those are the guys that, that we're going to look back and go, wow, that was pretty special that they would be willing to risk that for all of us and our kids. Well, one of the articles said you risk losing season tickets to Gonzaga, your alma mater. I mean, that was like, kind of a bummer, but I mean, obviously it doesn't mean you're going to not put food on the table. I mean, that's the thing about the coercion and the deception and the, the threats. It's like, you must do this. Oh, you're free not to, but if you, if you don't do it, you're just going to have to find another job. I'm like, that, that's not reasonable. That's, that's not correct. I mean, your job depends on your willing to accept a medical experiment. 
it just seems to me that we're a bit off as a culture if we accept that. And and I know there's a transition we're going through where more people are waking up to the things you've seen that I've seen. And I'm encouraged by that. But boy, the devastation in the meantime. Yeah, it's un-American. And really, I mean, you can expand it to the whole wide world. I mean, these these codes, Nuremberg Code, there's others that that have declared and, and kind of reaffirmed that we have autonomy over our own bodies. You can't experiment on us. And yet, I mean, it's, I wish I had a, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've said in the past two years, well, that can't happen. That's not going to happen here. And then wham, it happens. And then they force it on us and then they're forcing it on our kids and our grandkids forcing it to go to school. I mean, this Mm. it's against our laws. It's against everything we've believed and people have willingly given away these freedoms. And, uh, that's the hard part. And you look at it, you look at it from just a little bit of a historical mindset is, is we're at a turning point right here. And if we don't correct it, it's, it's curtains. Yeah. I, I was maybe a little surprised, but maybe not because the, the athletes are a reflection of all of us yet at the highest level of physical functionality, they have to be very concerned about nutrition and other things to care for their bodies. And yet, very few as a percentage spoke out. I know because they were will, not willing to lose or, or their th- the threat of losing their ability to, to, to work in their chosen profession as high-level athletes. But I imagine behind the scenes, there must have been a lot more people that talked to you that said, please don't tell anybody I can't speak out because of my, you know, my ability to care for my family or whatever. Absolutely. And, and great people. And, and with good reason. They, they have maybe kids that are growing up and, and getting into more visible uh, settings and not wanting to, to share the bad name there. It's it's a uh, it's a difficult time for them, for sure. Yeah. And, and so I, I try to be compassionate when we encounter people that we'd like to say you need to speak up. But then at the same time, they risk losing the ability to care for their families. And it's a, it's a really hard place to be. I guess some people are wired differently that they're willing to risk it all for something greater than what they perceive is the only way they can make it in this world. And I'm encouraged that there are more people realizing that we must stand uh, against this tyranny or else the next time it might not be, uh, we might not recover the freedom we're struggling to regain. I think as as humans, we're, we're not necessarily as concerned with things until they happen on our front porch. And so, you know, for, for a lot of us, if you haven't seen somebody injured by the vaccines, if you haven't spoken with people like that, and all your experience is what you're seeing on TV, where they're saying safe and effective, safe and effective, then if, back to the athletes, if you're, a, um, you have the best job in the world, you know, that's playing basketball in the NBA, the best job in the world, you get paid very well, you get to do absolutely what you love, you get summers to yourself, you most of the time is free. I mean, there's just no better job. And so, the guys that have pedigree and they come in and, you know, let's call it the Aaron Rodgers of the world in, in football, but, you know, LeBron James, they can call shots. They can, they can wink, wink and say, well, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And it gets kind of shoved. But if you're trying to get a job, mm-hmm. if you're right on the bubble, you're, you better darn well toe the line or they'll find that other guy that will take the shot to make the money and have the time and play the sport they love. And it's, it's again, it's un-American. And if you're not getting the best product out there because of it. Had you had many uh, requests or done many interviews with a lot of the sports talk personalities that all seem to be in lockstep on, you know, the COVID jab mandate. Of course I I saw them, you know, ripping whatever, whoever they could that didn't toe the line. What was the basketball player that was with the Brooklyn Nets? Who's been on a number of uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. (laughs) I'm like, look at that guy. He, he, 
he has got that that drummer that's uh you know somewhere in a room other people aren't hearing it but dude i give him props for standing up for himself and they were just just railing on him for being he's not a team player he's all selfish or anybody that would do this like aaron Rodgers. i'm thinking if you're not selfish enough to care for your own body then how are you going to care for anyone else it's it's the opposite we used to we used to call people that can never get things right professor wrong way and that's how it feels right now it feels like everybody that has a microphone and everybody that's on TV, whatever, they're professor wrong way. And they just do the opposite. You hear Anthony Fauci speak, you hear any of these, these medical guys speak. And it just, even at this day and age, when we know the the damages to the vaccine, we know that, uh, you know, over a thousand athletes have died on the field, just drop dead vaccinated. And uh, they keep denying it. They, they keep pretending these injuries haven't happened. And uh, they're all Professor Runway there to deny it and to still suggest these are safe and effective and to follow any sort of narrative of, of, of that notion. Mm-hmm. It's just absurd. It, it, it's kind of amazing to me at this, at this stage of the game. So we're talking with John Stockton on, we have uh, links to some, uh, an interview he did with Dell Bigtree recently through Children's Health Defense. I'm sorry, Bobby Kennedy as well. I think you were on with Dell, weren't you? Did Dell interview as well? No, I know Dell, but I don't think we've had it. I don't think we've interviewed yet. Okay. So that one was with Bobby Kennedy at Children's Health Defense, the defender. We've got the article linked up. We also have the article for those that you didn't know about his stance, causing him to lose or suspended his, his uh, season tickets for his alma mater going to see the games there. And also, uh, I believe, uh, do we have that link to the, uh, the, you're doing a podcast, right? We are. We're doing podcasts with Voices for Medical Freedom. We've just had some great conversations with some amazing people, some injured, some doctors, some uh, people that were part of this, the test studies, uh, uh, the, the chiropractor that I mentioned, Dr. Bueller. I mean, it's just been a, a great experience. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Superdon's got it up. It's uh, VoicesForMedicalFreedom.com. And uh, again, another uh, place where people are willing to speak out and you're interviewing great folks, anything I can do to help you there, but we'll definitely put the word out on uh, what you're doing as well. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to reach out to more of these uh, athletes who are willing to speak out and show people, look, life is, life is okay. In other words, we're, we're actually being vindicated, not that I uh, did it for that purpose, but the reality is as time progresses, those that spoke out, are more right by the day. Yeah, and even even at the harsh time when it, when that wasn't the consensus, it was better. It's it's uh, first of all, you're you're speaking what you believe, and people are coming up to you in the streets saying, "Thank you, thank you." I don't have a voice. Thank you. And uh, I tell you, I, whatever whatever discomfort I've experienced from speaking out has been far far outweighed. Uh, by the great comments and the support that we've received. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd recommend it to anybody, you know, use your head, do your research and use your voice. Play John, have you brought anybody on to interview that was in the other camp? We're all for it and enthusiastic saying everybody should get it and had, had a, a change of heart through experience or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Almost everybody. I mean, when you look at the doctors that have come on board, uh, there's a group with, with, uh, react 19, for example, Dr. Walscog was, a uh, orthopedic surgeon, very, very successful, was damaged by the vaccine. We had two or three people on there that were uh, they were part of the initial test study because they believed in it wholeheartedly, fully vaxxed their whole lives, following the medical protocols. We spoke with frontline nurses that were the, the heroes that toughed it out through the initial days of COVID when everything was a mystery. And, and what they've observed, um, we, we spoke with scientists who did the tests 
to determine whether this was an effective treatment or not. I mean, actually the actual people. And uh, so, yeah, almost everybody we've spoken to has been a person that's been wholeheartedly in that camp that has said, no, there, we need to take another look at this. We need to correct this. Mm-hmm. And ju- not just the athletes, but y- you've, you've had coaches, even, even referees in professional sports also saying, Hey, this is a problem. I, I don't want this. Uh, and can you help? And, and in, in, all of your efforts, has there been any official pushback? I know there's a lot that's behind the scenes, perhaps against these professional organizations and their mandates. Uh, Has there been any success in terms of uh, reversing some of these policies? I haven't seen a ton of success in policies. For example, you mentioned Gonzaga and my season tickets. Uh, They offered my tickets back after suspending them for a year. And I've refused to take them because they still continued to require mandate shots for their students. Wow. And I, I, I don't know. I just can't sit at the game and say that's okay. I mean, I know it's a small deal with my tickets, but, but it's important. So they just reaffirmed just this past month that they're keeping this through May, no matter what. And in light of all the data that's come out, it's just, it blows my mind. And so, uh, no, I'm not seeing a lot of policy changes. What I am seeing are a lot of people that we've spoken with before that were, Hey, John, yeah, you might be out of your mind here a little bit that are that quietly are coming back and saying, speaking the same language as if they were never on the other side before. And that works for me. I'm not, I'm not looking for any, I told you so type things. I'm not looking to be the, the, the hero. I just, I just want the word out and more people starting to think correctly. Yeah. I was just thinking of all the uh, parallel tracks that I hear being developed by many coming from medicine, trying to say, Hey, we got to do it differently. We don't want to be controlled and told what to do like this ever again. And various uh, fields of endeavor, including maybe athletics, I mean, will there be uh, some renegade athletes coming together and say, hey, let's have a non-jabbed uh, version of our sport to where we are never coerced and, and, and forced into accepting medical treatments like this again? Well, I think that's there's got to be a push for that. There's a lot of put, we're, we're working on a declaration right now that we are trying to send out to all athletes that just says that says, listen, I, my body's off limits to you guys. You don't get to decide what what goes into it. You don't get to borrow my organs whenever you want to you don't you, my body's my own and i think that's huge for athletes and if we can get more people to sign on that baseline mm-hmm. it's saying that you we're not your test dummies anymore and uh, i mean it's so simple it really is what we've all believed our entire lives but uh to get it get people to declare put your name on the document and and stand up for what you believe in you know i always heard when i was growing up a man has to stand for something and here's an opportunity without much damage coming from it just to say no this is this is how it's going to be from here forward for our kids have you guys discussed on your program about possible remedies uh how do we help people that have suffered these injuries because that's another big part of what we tried to do with the uh, documentary that just came out and also proffer some things to do better next time so this doesn't happen again but have you covered that with uh, various doctors and even alternative doctors as you talk about chiropractors I didn't grow up with chiropractic either. And now it's one of the mainstays for me. So we've all been changing in our lifetime in some ways. Yeah. That's one of the things we're trying to, we're trying not just to be the guys that are complaining about how bad things are, but trying to find solutions. And some of those solutions were there available in 2020. You know, first of all, how do you avoid from being sick? Maybe a little zinc, maybe a little vitamin D, vitamin C, Mm -hmm. avoid sugars, uh, get your rest, take care of your body. You know, simple things. There's, there's ozone, there's um, 
hydrogen peroxide treatments. I mean, there's all these, mm-hmm. these holistic treatments that are phenomenal for keeping you healthy and keeping a virus from running amok. Because, you know, let's face it, we have as many viruses in our body as we do human cells. More. So more. to be antiviral is to yeah. be anti-life, frankly. And so, you know, you, 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 holistic care helps you treat the whole body. This is the whole product. We're not trying to say, hey, look, we're going to kill this thing or we're going to eliminate that thing. You treat the body and you have health. So having said that, there are other approaches. And, and I think I mentioned uh, React 19. They're working hard on research that the CDC and the FDA should be doing. And they're looking for funding for that constantly to try to do the research to see the woes of taking these shots and taking any medicines. And then they're also working on medical treatments. Mm-hmm. There's also a bunch of uh, you know more holistic versions that we're trying to get those out. So that's some of the things we're doing with voices. If people call and ask yeah. or they write in, we say, hey, look here, look here. If you're a medical guy, Maybe you try this. If you're a holistic guy, here's some people to look at. But frankly, you you go to a naturopath or a chiropractor in your neighborhood, you're already going to be ahead of the game. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, you guys are willing to discuss that. I'm not surprised that you are based on your history and what you do, uh, but we need more of that. We need more, again, cooperation amongst the various professionals in, in medicine and non-medicine. And my concern uh, about the React 19 approach, and this is not an accusation of all. It's just as we discuss openly and freely about these things, is that it's it's uh, it's risky to go to the same institutions that contributed or were key to the problem occurring, to look to them to solve them or help us solve them. They're so institutionally backwards, if not corrupt, that uh, I I think I don't know if naivete is the word, but I, it's it's a kind of a wishful thinking that they'll suddenly find Jesus in their own way and do the right thing. Well, it's kind of the, and I'm with you on that. I think medicine's had its chance uh, to fix things. And one of the things about the vaccines, whether they're childhood vaccines or COVID, if, if for example, COVID, they'll make, let's say $60 billion, the, 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 the pharmaceutical companies will make that kind of money on the vaccine itself, but they'll make 550 billion in subsequent years treating the injuries that the vaccines cause. Yeah. So, Without a doubt, I'm in agreement. Now, having said that, not everybody thinks like I do. And some people think along the medical lines. And I don't doubt that there's going to be some solutions that involve medicine mm-hmm. that I would be blind if I didn't at least keep an open ear to. Um, probably not the route I'm going to take. I'm going to look holistically and just stay try to stay healthy as an organism. Yeah, and I, and I respect that. People got different views, different ways to go about it. I'm not saying there's only one way to do it either. Uh, but as I just raise those issues for people to kind of it's a level of once again i ask a little too much of some to say you know those institutions that you relied upon they're really not the best to go to to solve the problems that they created and i'm looking for these doctors like pierre corey in second hour great guy uh who have a sincere interest in helping people not harming and they have seen some horrible things from within their uh profession uh manifest more more directly on them than ever before even though you know, as a homeopath, I, I've witnessed it from outside of that uh, profession, how we are targeted and denigrated. It's like, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. You can call me names. I don't care. But the point is the freedom to speak is what really got me when they really oppressed even the doctors for those saying that we are utilizing things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and having 100 percent success. I could do that without those things. But hey, if most people are focused there. I want them to get that help. It's not, exactly. it doesn't bother me. I want you to get help and, and live. And so there's uh, you know, a difference of perspective because I default to freedom. That's my default setting. Whereas others still are in that monopoly thought form. It's only right if it comes from 
well, if it's reported on by ABC, NBC, and CNN, then it's real. Until then, it's, yeah, it's not real. And that's, uh, these people are going to be in trouble if they keep living that way. Yeah, we have, we started the group, as you mentioned, Voices for Medical Freedom, not to plug it again. But what we've realized in the process of all that is really what we're about is freedom. Mm-hmm. And 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 you start thinking it through a little bit again. Historically, is my generation, my kids' generation, we didn't have to go to war. We didn't have to fight for freedom. We haven't we haven't had to pay the ultimate price. Our our parents and our grandparents did, and maybe frankly, we're maybe we're a little soft. You know, we just expect it. We expect to be able to walk safely down the street and get food whenever we want it, and then some. Uh, and everything's hunky dory, but it's yeah. it's really being put to to the test right now, without a doubt. Yeah. And he, even in, you know, the economic side of things, I just uh, have, have to reference all of these things when we look at the world holistically. Uh, and, and I was raised, again, medically, pharmaceutically, where we, we ripped apart the body and said, this is, you know, this and this is it. Nothing's connected. And in history, John, the history I was taught in a government indoctrination center was like dates, times and places, but no connection, no cause and effect relationships that would help me understand why did things happen? And maybe knowing why we wouldn't have to make the same mistakes or worse mistakes that I'm, I see that we're doing once again, if we centralize the power structure and Biden and his administration wants to turn it over to the WHO to run our health and our bodies. That's one of the scariest things I've seen in my lifetime right there is that we're willing as a government president of our government to sign over, frankly, our own autonomy as a nation. I mean, that's to me, it's just treason. You can't give away you can't give away our sovereignty for anything. And so to suggest that the who, who, by the way, has been wrong on everything, they're, they're, they are Professor Wrongway, along with the FDA, the NAIH, the CDC. I mean, all these guys with letters, uh, they're all yeah. Professor Wrongways. And I, I think that's starting to come out. And they're starting to come out that a lot of them were dishonest in that process, too. Yeah. They knew the answers. You know, the, the stuff that's coming out with Anthony Fauci right now and the stuff that's coming out with um, uh, Elon Musk and, and Twitter and how they've intentionally misinformed us. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 a disillusionment and many people don't want to see it, but many people are being forced to see it. And and then what do you do? Do you do you do you say it's all you know preordained and pre- we can't do anything, or do we stand up and start engaging? in various ways because everybody gets a call to do it differently and that's okay. I think at every level we need to hit this thing and push back and recognize that our, you know, as much as I look back at my parents' generation, theirs that have fought wars, at the same time they came back and were so enamored with the advancements in what we call modern medicine that they gave up on the practices of our ancestors, you know, organic farming, right? The, the idea that medicine comes from the plants and the herbs are written about in the Bible even, and it was all abandoned and we were enamored with this system of, of, of poisoning for profit that we end up sicker and chronically ill. I was chronically ill from zero to 19, then 24 when I figured out natural medicine, but I didn't know. It's the only thing I knew. And I think that a big part of the vulnerability, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, is our fear of germs. Can we get past that fear of germs? Obviously, God put them in us, around us, and all of us, not to kill us, <laughs> but to sustain us. And only when we corrupt that terrain do, do we then see abnormal or Im, imbalanced type growth that threaten us? And that's, they're not the enemy. Well, you mentioned food there and, and uh, I'm a little late to that party. The, uh, you know, was because of Dr. Bueller way back when I was starting to study up and think about the, the vaccines and the meds and question all question, everything associated with it. The food parts come a little bit later and, and you start seeing the, 
the damages caused by food, like, for example, glyphosate. I think Robert Kennedy Jr. and his group, the Children's Health Defense, which, by the way, if you're looking for great information, it's always a wonderful source. They are just dialed in. I've never seen them be wrong. They just want a, a serious case against uh, whatever group, I won't mention names, that, that pushes the glyphosate to kill weeds. And uh, $273 million, I think it was. What does the FDA do? Nothing. They're, you're still allowed to use it. They're still using it in all our food. So yeah. not only does it destroy the food, it destroys the soil and it destroys the life-giving parts of food. So, I mean, the, the, the canola oil. I mean, it's uh, the, the rapeseed is is toxic, and yet we make oil out of it. And it's in all our foods, anything that's fried. So, I mean, I'm late to the party. I've eaten a lot of French fries in my day and enjoyed every last one of them. But yeah, um, and the oh, FDA again yeah. is not doing its job. But we are just inundated with foods that are that are contributing to the overall toxicity of our health. And dude, I grew up on fast food, John. This was me, standard American diet, and I was diseased because of it. Not everybody was impacted as young as I was. I was the canary in the coal mine, but I, I believe it was what I signed on to do. My journey, my mission, my passion was to suffer and find a way out so I can help others to do the same or better. Love and it. yeah, I still eat French fries, but they're organic and they're fried in coconut oil. Organic. Oil. I've heard of duck fat. I mean, I, I, I got a few experiments I'm going to do this summer. That's for sure. Cause I like French fries. Yeah, I know. I've, you don't have to give up all that food. Y'all can no. just eat the cleaner versions of it and stop with the trans fats and all of that. So yeah, I mean, we grew up eating motor oil, basically margarine. We were told yeah. that was bad, right? This is a, we were told a, that was better than butter. I mean, we were convinced of that for a while. So yeah. How many ways can we be lied to by those in authority before we figure out you got to assume everything is is a lie first, unless you can independently prove that it isn't. Uh, and and it, and some would say, well, that's a cynical way to go through life. It's like, look, I think it's a practical, pragmatic way to survive and live and then thrive to realize that there are a lot of conflicts of interest between government, industry and media that are steering or, or have steered us wrong and continue to attempt to do so. And, you know, of all the things that Trump did, and again, I know there are people that love, hate and in between on that, when he called everybody out because they're all fake news, that was a big big thing to have happen to where we can finally actually call it like it is. Now, there's still more to mature and grow and see through a lot of this, but there are some things that have happened through the COVID years that have helped a lot of people to see through some of this. Well, let's face it. If we can, I mean, our kids are being bombarded. My grandkids in school, he wore a mask, uh, you know, and things they're being taught there. And the good news is, is that I think because as a result of all this, they're having to think. They're having to think, hey, that not everything I see on TV is right. Not everything I hear at school is right. Yeah. And you start getting these kids being thinkers and doubting, like you mentioned, it, it, could it be a miserable way to live? Yeah, but it also can be a, a freeing way to live because you're counting on yourself. And, and really, that's kind of what I'm big on is you got to count on yourself and nobody else is doing it right. Mm -hmm. You do it right. And actually, there's that the biblical, biblical reference where they uh, save Sodom and Gomorrah if there's one good man. And... Uh, you know, we all have a long way to being that one good man or that one good woman. But if that's all it takes is me just doing it the right way, then that's what I'm going to strive for. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much, John, for doing that. And, and what are you doing from a fitness perspective to stay strong? I, I got it from the you, you got holistic, integrative type natural stuff to support you. You're doing better food. What about your athletics since you retired from the NBA? 
Well, like when I was playing, I've stayed really consistent with that. I, you know, it's not perfect. I, I work out three times a week with uh, some form of weights. I add a little aerobics in there, not, you know, not aerobicize or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, you're on the bike a little bit and lifting weights. And then I, I still play ball with the fellas on Sundays. So, uh, and that's just part of it. That my, I, I try to stay, I, I rake my yard still, I shovel my walks still. Yeah. I uh, like the water skiing around my bright mountain bikes. So it, for me, it's just an active lifestyle that starts when I wake up in the morning till I go to bed. So the habit was ingrained in you not to abandon it. Oh, absolutely. No, I, uh, I don't want to have to recover from, from, uh, Setting letting her. things go. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know if your wife would just say, Hey, you're on the couch, get off the couch, John, get out there. And- <laughs> No, I think she'd probably like it if I'd sit down a little bit more, but, uh, you know, we'll work on that. Every marriage has its challenges. Yeah, exactly. Are, are you uh, uh, willing to talk a little basketball, too, on top of all the great stuff you're doing now? Hey, it's my favorite sport. Let's do it. And Superdome, you're welcome to open your mic, too, because yeah, I know you were uh, fanboying a little bit over John. We admit that we I was. It, it was funny because when I, you know, I get these notifications of guests when Kevin books them. Yeah, and you know this was another one. It was very reminiscent of when we had Pat Militich on, you know, uh, UFC legend. I'm big into UFC, so I get this notification: John Stockton will be on on Monday. And I'm like, is that the guy? I, you know, walked? I mean, John Stockton. There probably are some other people named John Stockton. Maybe it's somebody I don't know or like that. And <laughs> I looked into it. And I was like, holy cow, that's John Stockton. So, yeah, I'm kind of uh, I'm uh, starstruck a little bit here. Well, it was a simpler time too, John, when you were at, at, at the highest levels of the NBA. You know, Super Don and I both were fans and watched you, and and many of uh, 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 the ones. I, of course, uh, Super Don, big Magic Johnson fan. I was in Atlanta, so I was a Dominique Wilkins guy and Spud Webb at the time. And there's some amazing characters in the NBA playing, but in a simpler time where nobody was worried about your vaccination status. No, that is for certain. I uh, never got asked that once, but, uh, you know, I, I wondered how it would be now. You go in and they test your blood and they put you on the treadmill and they dunk you in the water and all these tests. And there's just such faith and confidence that they were all doing the right thing. I wonder how it would be for me now. Uh, I guess, guess we'll never know. Did you ever have any rivalries on the court that uh, last now to this day that you're still looked on as rivals? Or did you become pals with people that you were like really intensely rivaled with? It's closer to the second one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I run into Isaiah Thomas all the time and there's probably nobody that w- that we had more uh, intense games with. Uh, I mean, I, there's guys I played against more that were also very intense. Kevin Johnson out West here, Gary Payton, um, Magic Johnson, the best I could do, you know, I, I mean, he's, he's such a beast that it was, it was difficult, but, uh, and he's one of my favorite players too, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think when I get to see him now, I love it. It's uh, I think there's respect. They they knew, you know, that the other guy hated you kind of when you were playing. It was part of the process, and that's fine. But there's such respect, I think, as a result of that, that nothing was held back, and, and you got their best shots. So, um, I don't know. That's what I appreciate about those guys. Cool. Now, on the Magic Johnson front, now this, this comes back into the health realm and ties into Anthony Fauci, interestingly enough. Uh, why I knew Fauci was a criminal from the word go well before COVID was because I had been following since I became a homeopath, the scam that HIV causes AIDS. And I, that was a controversy. You can't talk about that. You're a denialist, right? All and on. We never denied people that had immune collapse and deficiency. We argued there was a different cause than what they claimed it was. And it turns out Fauci was, has his fingerprints all over that promoting a dangerous failed chemo drug that ended up killing 
hundreds of thousands of people long before the so-called collapse, AZT, exactly. And Bobby Kennedy wrote, you know, the real Anthony Fauci. A number of the people that he highlighted as sources were friends of mine in the uh, in uh, we call investigative journalism realm. Celia Farber, Liam Sheff, who wrote the, the seminal book uh, "Official Stories," and, and so I don't know if you ever had interaction with Magic Johnson over his journey because I know he went holistic. There's no way he stayed on medicines, contrary to what people believe, to be alive and well at this age. No, I read the real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy, and and boy, I, I zeroed in on that area big time because it was so instrumental. And, and frankly, my life, Magic Johnson was at the peak of his game and retired because of it. And then that following summer, we had uh, we were on the the Dream Team together, mm-hmm. and there was still so much um, mystery. It was, it was this shroud of mystery on what caused it. What do we need to be afraid of? And here, you know, here we were in practice. Uh, getting after it, everybody, and so um, you know that was a that was a pivotal point in all our lives, I think. And to find out that there is no correlation between HIV and and AIDS, mm-hmm. and that that was manufactured, is hurts. And then I also wonder. I'd love to talk to Magic, and I should probably reach out to him and say, let's have this discussion. But it also may be a little personal. Yeah, I know he may be reluctant to go public on it, but I I, I wanted to talk to you about it. Having you, you were right there as that was going on in the midst of all of our unknown and, and fear about what was happening. And it turns out, uh, again, Fauci was there, polymerase chain reaction, PCR test, Kerry Mullis. He said at that time, back in that area, that PCR was not an appropriate technology to identify a causative agent, infectious agent in any acute or chronic disease. And yet they went right back to PCR. That was one of the things that triggered me in early, what, 2020, right then this was happening. I was like, well, how are they identifying this so-called coronavirus? Oh, PCR? Oh, I know the playbook and here we go. Uh, so that history, it was important for me to be able to communicate. Of course, we got banned on YouTube and Spotify and places in the midst of it. We're still banned on, on LinkedIn temporarily, hopefully only. But the, the freedom to know history is the only way we can stop it from happening again. Yeah, that uh, the PCR, t- I mentioned it today, today, today to some friends and told them about the, the AIDS, HIV issues way back when. And I said, did you know they used the PCR test? And they said, what? Mm-hmm. They, they took a double take. They said, there's no way. Yeah. yeah. It's the same, and it's the same formula. And it's, uh, you know, it's another thing about the, the thing that's in the book, uh, Robert's book, mm-hmm. uh, about Anthony Fauci, is the, the capture of money. So AIDS fit under the auspices of, of cancer and cancer treatment. All the monies that go into the government yeah. that go to to – um, supporting cancer treatments and whatnot. As soon yeah. as they made it a, a viral issue, it went to NAIAD mm-hmm. and under the auspices of Anthony Fauci. I mean, it's genius from a business standpoint. Oh yeah, yeah, it's horrible, but but, but yes, genius in that way. Hey, Super Don, I don't mean to mm-hmm. always go into the health and realm because it's my bias, of course. But that is what have, this show is about. That we is got John Stockton. I know, today, though, I John. know. So. So I do have one question, although I want to say I do. I did get to see you play once. My dad had uh, season tickets uh, to the uh, Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. And so I got to go to basketball games with him. And so it was great because it was during that time, right? So I got to see people like Jordan, you know, and Magic and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and John Stockton and stuff like that, you know, all my heroes. Um, so here's my question, though. The 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 amazing thing that I remember was when they put the dream team together in 92 and, and, and in 96, but that first dream team. And for me, it was always a weird thing. I couldn't understand it. Every time they had the Olympics and they had basketball, it was like every other country sent their best. And I'm like, why, why, are, why do we not 
do something like that, right? And so eventually, I don't know who it was that came up with the brilliant idea of, hey, let's send our best players to the Olympics. Um, that was an amazing game. I mean, you guys just destroyed everybody. It was great. Uh, and watching, you know, a, a super team, you know, of, of all the best. It's of like, what was it like playing in the Olympics uh, with, with all of those guys? Well, I, I had mixed emotions initially because I was cut in 84. I, I'm not sure that the non-professionals wouldn't be the best way to do that across the board. But as you mentioned, the ever, all the other countries are putting their best out there. So uh, so we were unsuccessful in 88. I got cut in 84. And then all of a sudden in 92, I get another chance to do it. And not only that, I get to play with the dream team. Mm. It was basketball heaven. I mean, you kidding me? You get to go. There was the basketball IQs of these fellows were off the charts. Um if you make a pass because a guy's cutting on time, the other guy's corresponding cut, back cut, hands out, balls out of his hands, bucket. Defensively, everybody was on the same page without ever having to discuss it. It's, it was so much fun to uh, play against other people, but I think it was even more fun when we were playing against each other in practice. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. We've got a, a question here uh, from Ula. Ula's okay. a big fan. Uh, Ula's asking – what was it like uh, to, whoops, that's the wrong one. She wants to know, how was it like working uh, and playing with Carl Malone? Well, I, I like to brag about Carl. I think Carl um, should be considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You know, when you when you have these big talks about who's number one, two, whatever, I, I think Carl's right in that handful of great players. He's uh, extraordinarily power, powerful, um, smart, great IQ, has a, a – hands he catch the ball at full speed if he threw it at his shoelaces he could catch it at full speed in traffic and make a bucket out of it i mean not everybody gets a chance to play with with a guy like that and he outworked you so i mean you try to come to practice and outwork that guy it just didn't doesn't happen so when your best player is the hardest worker it's a pretty good recipe for success Mm. he also asked is there ever going to be a reunion of the dream team those are still around you guys ever get together uh, we've, we were, we've, I don't know if we've been together all 12, uh, but, but in pieces, we were, uh, we were inducted into a hall of fame together and uh, many of us showed up for that. And uh, yeah, I, I think all of us would be up for it. It's always fun. There's, it's a great group of guys and um, boy, the, the, the chatting starts going pretty fast with that crew. Yeah. Nice. One last question for you. Yeah. You got a kid, aspiring basketball player, has dreams of being in the NBA, what advice would you give to that, that person? Well, uh, I would say probably don't think about aspiring to be in the NBA and just be the best player you can be in the sixth grade or the seventh grade, whatever it is. And, um, you know, listen to your coach, play against older people that are better than you um, and take those lickings with, with a smile on your face because it does nothing but help you. Nice. Well, nice. And like you said about Carl Malone, you have to be willing to work harder than everybody to get to that level. Yeah. No, I, I think everybody would like to find a shortcut, but I don't think anybody has. It's just, uh, you know, certainly you have to have talent. Um, you know, I, I, we used to tease Carl that the good Lord has reached down and, and touched him, you know, because he had some special abilities that and size and strength that the rest of us didn't have. But the work that goes into it, even if you have talent, is is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the work and the talent you're now putting into doing extraordinary things to help awaken in consciousness people that are coming onto this thought form that maybe 
we need to do it differently. We need to find our uh, footing in freedom again. I respect that as much or more than anything you've done as a basketball player that you're willing to do that now. I don't know how you look at your legacy in that context, but I would just be here to say what you're doing now is so very important and your voice is needed as well. I'm glad we can connect here. I'm delighted we connected. It's been great talking with you, Robert. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, anytime you got something to share, if you want uh, homeopathic or other mineral perspectives on recoveries, anything I can do to contribute with uh, what you're doing, just let me know. We've got a lot of friends in common now, and we continue to put this word out. Take a look at the uh, Utah Safe and Effective documentary when it's available starting Wednesday, anytime, and you'll see maybe, well, you'll see your friend Fred Roberts in there as well, and he contributed greatly too, and I appreciate him and all those that volunteered their time and efforts to put the word out. Uh, likewise. I mean, it's uh, it's a never-ending battle at this point. I mean, you all this great work that's being done, all the data that comes out, and then you drive down the street, and in our case, it's WashingtonState.gov still tells you that the boosters are safe and effective and that you need to have them. So I don't know if this battle is going away anytime soon, and uh, I'm certainly not growing weary of it. It's, uh, you know, I'm committed. Yeah. We are made for a time such as these. You are John Stockton. God bless you, my brother. Thank you for all that you're doing. I love love it. have you back anytime. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks, Robert. All right. John Stockton from, uh, well, well, just from doing the right thing. In addition to his history, uh, you know, in, in the NBA, Voices for Medical Freedom podcast. Y'all check that out. I have to connect with them on that because that, that, they're doing such good work with Ken Rutgers as well. Um, I've got a, I'm going to be doing a scientific discussion on copper uh, with uh, James Lyons-Weiler from IPAC this evening. Uh, I think 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll talk about copper, the science of copper, uh, because we've been afraid of that for far too long. And it's been a big deficiency with all the zinc and vitamin C people have been taking in the last three years. You miss copper. You're missing a lot. And a lot of things that manifest that they call COVID are identical or at the very least made worse by a lack of bioavailable and bioactive copper in the body. So that's coming up as well. Uh, we have uh, uh, some sad news to report. Uh, Dr. Raphael Meshulam out of Israel, who was the guy that found found the endocannabinoid system. No one knew it. I never knew it. None of us knew it. And worked and researched for many decades on cannabis, THC, CBD, and other things. Uh, an extraordinary man just uh, recently passed away. Uh, he worked with the Hebrew University. And I bring that up because I worked at, well, I worked at, I studied uh, microbiology at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem in Israel for a while. And uh, this was all before I learned about homeopathic medicine and natural medicine. I was still a lot younger then. Uh, but Raphael Meshulam, the iconic father of cannabis, dies at 92 years of age. And this man single-handedly put a plant that God created back on the map for all of us to benefit by. And there are various ways to use it. And you know, we've joked about the fact that there are 25,000 uses and only one of them is smoking it to get high, for instance, if that's your thing. But the idea here is that we look at the plants of creation uh, for our benefit, whether it be uh, biblical references or otherwise. Even the medical community now acknowledges that these, this plant is a godsend and we must embrace it, learn about it, find out what it can do. And if it can help you, whether it's CBD, THC or the terpenes or all of them in a whole plant complex, um, this man... Uh, you know, I don't like the Nobel Prize because of what, how corrupt it is. I mean, look, they gave Obama a Nobel Prize for becoming president. Really? Uh, so there, I don't think it has the same meaning that we thought it did. But just like many institutions, we look at and go, oh, there's some corruption behind that. But the idea that this man, uh, you know, in his work, 
should ever be forgotten. We should be grateful uh, for Rafael Mishulam. And of course, we talk with uh, Stuart Tonk many times over the years here about uh, the great research that he did to pave the way for a lot of the things we know today about the cannabis plant as well. Uh, so uh, I say bon voyage, lahit <laughs> rote. If we use a little Hebrew, see you later. Hopefully sometime again, Rafael Mishulam, uh, iconic father of cannabis, passing away at 92. All right, Super D, how, how you feeling, man? We're about uh, less than two minutes away from our Brighton.tv simulcast and Pierre Corey. Uh, pretty cool having John Stockton on, huh? Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Definitely. I miss the NBA. I do. I, I just, you know, as, as I got older uh, and started having kids and life happened and stuff like that, I just, you know, I just have not been able to to get into stuff on that level. But, you know, at that time, it was just mm-hmm. the NBA was everything. NBA and and wrestling. I was a big yeah. wrestling fan. So I guess if we get Hulk Hogan on, yeah, then, then the circle will be complete for me. Well, I'm going to be in what Clearwater, Florida. I think that's where <laughs> Hulk Hogan lives. So we'll see if we can reach out to Is him. Is he in Florida now? As far as I know, he's in okay. Clearwater. Okay, no kidding. Yeah. All so, right. Uh, maybe when I'm there for the Nutritional Frontiers event coming up, there we'll you go. Let everybody know about those upcoming events soon as well. Uh, remember uh, the Chernobyl level antioxidant that we utilize here is folium px f-o-l-i-u-m-p-x.com super don i don't know if you have it or if you could show it don't worry if you can't i understand because we're about at the top of the hour and we're gonna yeah, we're close hit that minute break but this folium px is the stuff that got my mom at 89 back on the dance floor i'm not kidding with everything that i know to do and all the things that do help this put her over the top and she's doing all three formulas folium px uh, antioxidant. It's a it's a common it's a comprehensive blend of botanicals and other things. Chernobyl level because it counters the, the ionizing radiation, as well as many heavy metals. And they have a three pronged approach. Check it out. RSB ten to get a discount. Folium PX F O L I U M P X dot com. Uh, we're about to be joined by our friends at Brighteon.tv for our simulcast of the week, as we do at this time each week, and uh, Dr. Pierre Corey as well. All right, here we are. Welcome uh, to the Robert Scott Bell Show Hour 2. Those of you just joining us on Brighteon.tv, this is our time of the week where we get to hang out together. But we're on two hours a day, six days a week. Come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen for the live chat room as well. And you can sign up to become a part of our newsletter for free. You can text RSB, that's my initials, RSB to 22828. So the number 22828, send RSB and you will get plugged into our newsletter and all the great health, freedom, and healing liberty you can handle. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, this hour, we're going to be talking with Dr. Apir Corey, and he's an amazing doc who stepped it up and, and speaks out. We have his website linked. Uh, you've seen him interviewed on many shows by many people. He's got a book out called War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the COVID pandemic. We'll talk to him about that as well. Uh, but first up, can you trust science? That's the question. I'm going to try and answer that after this brief break because the power to heal is yours. If you're just tuning in, you missed our first hour interview with John Stockton, Hall of Fame NBA point guard, John Stockton from the Utah Jazz, and uh, his willingness to speak up on these health freedom issues uh, makes him even more of a legend, a great guy. I hope you'll tune in later. 
uh, on the areas that we're not where we're not banned. And there's a bunch of them. So if you come on over to robertscottbell.com slash listen, you'll see many, many options for listening later, much less watching live like our simulcast right now on Brideon.tv. And welcome all of you that watched the documentary film that we premiered on Saturday, Utah Safe and Effective, question mark. Uh, really well received, uh, pretty profound in what it revealed. I interviewed a, a great number, more than we could actually even put in the film of those who have been injured by the COVID jab and uh, looking for ways out, ways to help them. And that would include the medical lane, the chiropractic lane, the naturopathic lane, the homeopathic lane, the herbal lane, the nursing lane, all of these lanes that are now finding the need to come together as it always should have been to cooperate. The spirit of uh, why did you get into medicine? Why did you become a doctor, a healer, anybody? Is it to help people or is it to harm them? And I realize in the allopathic profession, many people go in for the right reasons, but end up trapped in a system that doesn't pro provide a, an avenue of free thought, critical thought or free thinking, particularly as it came to COVID. And those physicians who dared to speak out about success with things like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, other things, uh, they were pilloried. Like I, as a homeopath, was pilloried just for being a homeopath. But now even the doctors were. And this is a, an anti-freedom stance that the medical profession has because it's been captured as our FDA and NIH and CDC and that larger WHO has captured by the pharmaceutical industrial complex. You're not surprised hearing that, but if you're new, you might be, wow, what was that? I didn't know all of what I thought was true is not true. And it's a grand disillusionment. And the question is, can you move forward and step up into your power? Or do you feel powerless because of what you realize, how much you've been deceived, how much I had been deceived in my young life, growing up chronically ill in a pharmaceutical medical family and finding ways out through natural medicine? And how are these physicians doing? waking up and realizing there are limits as well in their training, coming back to 1910 in the Flexner Report, where it all became about drug deficiency diseases. Outside of advances in surgery, of course, and things like that. Now, there's a question here at the Brownstone Institute, an, an article, a long article by Alex Washburn. And it basically headline says it right out. Science is not to be trusted. Well, what does that mean? For those of us who are kind of nerds, science nerds and geeks, right? We love science. What do you mean it's not to be trusted? Well, recognize that science is not a religion or it's not supposed to be where you just believe the dogma and you have faith in whatever they say. Science is a process, a process of uncovering hidden truths and facts and you actually pile the facts together to, to make some assessments of life and how it works, the nature of life itself in many ways and a lot of things. And so it's an exciting endeavor. Unfortunately, people like Fauci who claim to be science are destroying science or at least anybody that thinks there's legitimacy in science as it's been captured by the medical pharmaceutical uh, complex. And what we argue for in the documentary film ultimately is something I've been saying since I ever, since I first heard Ron Paul say, end the Fed. <laughs> you remember those days? Boy, oh boy, is that prescient now, especially with the bailouts of the banks that are failing. I, I bought the website, end the med. I've never used it. <laughs> because I wanted to end the medical monopoly. And that is a separation of medicine and state that I think would have to happen for a renaissance to occur in all fields and endeavors of healing, including modern medicine and, and all of its trappings. The innovations that occur, they occur in freedom, not in coercion, not in deception, not in economic conflicts of interest. They happen in the freedom to in, engage in asking questions that are not allowed to be asked. Because those things that are not allowed to be asked are the very things that need to be asked. 
So there shouldn't be a third rail of medical politics. Oh, don't question vaccines. What about all the people that have been injured? Oh, ignore them. It's just a coincidence. There are a bunch of Yahoo quacks. What about the doctors that acknowledge that? Oh, well, they're, they're off the reservation, so they're now quacks too. And they just denigrate them. They're anti-vaxxers. And the term anti-vaxxer is a pejorative term that doesn't engage your critical thinking. It just says, you don't want to be called that name either, so you better shut up. But then they expanded the definition of the word anti-vaxxer to make it meaningless to where you could be for every vaccine, even the COVID one, and you're not for the mandate. You're an anti-vaxxer. They've destroyed the ability to use the word of denigration to any effect at all. If anybody's concerned by being called that, I don't know anymore. But regardless, we're pro-freedom. And that's where we can find alignment, even in disagreement. And so this article is long about the science not to be trusted. It isn't about science per se. It's about the people engaged in it that are restricted or directed through conflicts of interest, typically economic or other or for other nefarious reasons to where what you can ask, what you can study is very limited. I remember back in the 1990s, my mentor in homeopathy was brought into the, uh, it was the NCCAM national. It was basically the, the uh, office of alternative medicine that started at NIH. Cause there was such a, a, a groundswell of people were using it. There were some congressmen senators that were loud about it. Say, okay, we'll do this. We'll, we'll get, we'll throw you a bone. We'll get you that center. And then they even brought homeopaths into this to kind of analyze studies that could be done. But it very quickly was corrupted and altered to the point where it was meaningless. It was made completely powerless to find actual answers. One of my dearest friends in this lifetime was no longer with us, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. I befriended him many years ago at a medical conference in New York City, and I warned him. I said, your study that they're doing on your treatment for pancreatic cancer through diet, through enzymes, you were succeeding. He was succeeding in healing everybody that came to him. People, There are some people still alive today in 2023 that were under his care with pancreatic cancer over 20, 25 years ago or more. And they corrupted, they condemned his study to fail because the people, and this ties into the NIAID and NIH and Anthony Fauci, thanks to a lot of the good works of my friend uh, Celia Farber, we found out that the people that were on the failed nevirapine trials in Uganda and Africa for so-called HIV transmission from mother to baby that ended up killing mothers and babies. It was such a scandal. It was such a criminal act. Rather than engaging in criminal uh, charges against those researchers, they took those people and transferred them onto, many of them, onto Nicholas Gonzalez study in New York City at the uh, designated uh, testing sites. They condemned that it would fail. They didn't want competition for chemo, radiation, and surgery. Certainly not that nutrition and enzymes could cure any cancer. So this is the conflict we're dealing with. It isn't science per se. It's who's in charge of it, who controls it, who runs it, who's funding it, and for what purpose. We need a renaissance. And I think we're going to get that if doctors like Pierre Corey have their way. He's not He's not sitting down, lying down, taking it silently. He's speaking up, speaking out against these buffoons these morons or these minions of the, whether they be a Fauci's or of those that have interests that are not actually finding out the facts, revealing them and allowing freedom to reign again in all forms of medicine. Welcoming to the Robert Scott Bell show, Dr. Pierre Corey. Welcome. Dr. Hey, Corey. Robert, great to be here. Nice to see you. How are you, my brother? It's good to see you too, man. You are a firebrand and we need you out there just laying it out as it is. And, you know, we were talking briefly with John Stockton and you and I, and you had uh, brought up 
uh, you know, John had watched you in your latest testimony in Wisconsin. It's like you were fired up because you had to sit there and watch these morons spout off absolute misinformation, disinformation. It wasn't coming from you or me. It was coming from them. Yeah. You know, yeah, you talked about, you know, I, I totally can use the word moron. And you used actually a couple of them. But, you know, you know, before the testimony this time, I, I mean, I listened to an hour of the top health agency officials in the state of Wisconsin testify in support of a mandate on meningococcal vaccine and, and chickenpox vaccine. And the data that they would cite and their arguments were just so devoid of logic. And, you know, going back to, you know, when you talk about capture, I, I, to me, the, the, the foundation of all the corruption of science is actually the capture of what I call the high impact medical journals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very curated science. I mean, we, we've, we, it's just, you know, editors of those journals have talked about it for 20 years. They, there's editors who resigned because they could not stay in their position anymore and remain with integrity or ethics. And especially in COVID, you see so much papers with predetermined results and they completely censor any science or data which shows, you know, that's contrary to what supposed consensus is. And and that corruption there, you mm-hmm. know, when I listened to these agency officials, I was left with the question, right? So are they stupid? Like, are they a moron? Right. Do they really believe, or are they a sociopath where they're literally going up there and yeah. telling lies that's going to hurt, you know, hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah. Or are they just drinking the Kool-Aid and they're victims of the, the, this, oh, this corruption in science? Yeah. And the most magnanimous is that it's the third. I, I really do believe those officials believe what they say. But at the same time, you could see that they misrepresented the data. They certainly do not want to present all the data. Mm-hmm. They completely ignore adverse data. And so anyway, I'll just finish, Rob, by saying like by the time mm-hmm. I went to testify, I, I was I, I was really uh, – frustrated is not even the word. I, I was really angry because I couldn't believe they were given a, a, a microphone and be allowed to peddle these distortions of what really the science shows to support these vaccines, which is nothing, nothing. Yeah, the very thing that uh, they're utilizing against us, the claims of misinformation, and disinformation, they are completely engaged in a monopolistic spouting of it while trying to shut down you and your colleagues and me and, and my friends that have been speaking out about this for years. I imagine that when you went to medical school, you had no inkling of an idea that there was this level of corruption at the scientific journal level. Robert, my, my awakening started in COVID. I, I, I mean, I had been I had been exposed to and I had encountered a couple of corruptions in my career as an ICU doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely had a couple of fraudulent uh, papers and 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 medicines, which which actually led to massive effects across the country. I mean, one, one is a drug called Zygris. It was a five thousand dollar dose drug. It was an infusion in the ICU. And that was a complete corrupt exercise. And that, that, was, that was when I first got done with training. So I knew there was some corruption. I knew Big Pharma was not your friend. But I didn't know that really the whole system, I didn't know the depth and the scope and the scale of it. I, I, I really couldn't imagine that. So you said, you know, you've been fighting this for years. I mean, you've been aware of this for years. And you're right. You can go back to 1910. When suddenly the science is being corrupted and they're censoring all sorts of approaches and knowledge of mechanisms and healing, and you're left with this really curated, very narrow, you know, you know, a pill for every problem. Uh, th- and, and I've just learned so much in the last three years. So, so not only did I learn about corruption, 
But what's interesting is like I'm the product of the system, right? I was trained in medical school, the allopathic system. By the way, they don't have classes in medical school about pharmaceutical company corruption. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you about the history of how those journals have been influenced. They don't teach you classes on federal regulatory capture. I mean, these are all things that you have to come around. You have to start questioning the system to be led to these uh, topics. And And I don't know that I question the system. I question certain things about it. I, I didn't question the entire system. Yeah, and and this is a, quite a humbling experience, I imagine, because I look at you and and I've heard you speak. I mean, you're at the top of your game, man. You are invested in real sound science and in and going down to the the little the nuts and crannies, all of it. You don't want you want to leave anything unturned before you present on it. Uh, so it's not a question of your intelligence at all. It's a question of programming that we're all subject to be programmed by those who train us. You know, yep. for me, it was a disillusion. My uncle, who was a physician, said, don't become a doctor. I'm like, Uncle Bob, what are you talking That's all I want to do. Now, he was he was prescient in what he said. He planted a seed in me to say, you know what, I don't, because if I did to others what doctors did to me for the first 19 years of my life, I would be miserable. And he saw yeah. my spirit. So I went a different way, a way I had never even heard of until five years later, found out that my alma mater, Emory, taught homeopathy on its medical school curriculum up until 1949. And I had never heard the word until I went to a Civil War museum in the South. After I learned the word, I'm like, oh, my God, the medical field kits in the Civil War were homeopathic. How do they erase an entire system of medicine? Yep. yep. Who, who controls you know, the history by erasing and rewriting? It controls the present and the future. It's astonishing. It, it is astonishing. I, I mean, you know, what, what led me to sort of start to deeply question the system is is that I became, I would, I think it's fair to describe myself as one of the world experts on the evidence for and the clinical use of ivermectin in COVID. And, you know, and that's along with my colleagues. And that's the other thing, Robert, is that if you look at the five of us uh, that started the FLCCC, I mean, Paul is literally the most published practicing intensivist in the history of our specialty. You know, I was well known for a lot of various contributions to the specialty. Joe Verone is like, he's got 1,500 peer-reviewed articles. I mean, we thought we had career-long contributions as thought leaders. We had credibility. And then we started to deeply study ivermectin, and we were just shocked. We knew that this could literally alter, if not solve, the entire arc of the pandemic. And so, so there we are, you know, I give the testimony and I don't know that I expected a ticker, ticker tape parade, um, but I, I thought it would be at least warmly and gratefully received. And what happened next, it, it, it showed me that there, this, I lived in a world that I didn't think I lived in. Like I, I the world as I understood it prior to that testimony, mm. I was already starting to, you know, I was scratching my head a lot around the hydroxychloroquine. I thought that was, but I, did, I wasn't deeply studied on hydroxychloroquine. Uh, during the first six months. But mm-hmm. when I saw what happened next, which was just, I saw unending lies. I, I I thought science reporters actually, you know, credibly listened to both sides. I saw no science reporting. It was just attack after attack mm-hmm. after attack, not only on ivermectin or the idea that it could work, but on myself. And they did this before the fraudulent trials were, were published in the high impact journals. And I want to be clear on that. The attacks came immediately before they had any science to counter what I was saying. And so, you, you know, th- that's when I knew something was up. I, I, I you know, and uh, here, let me finish by saying, this is kind of something I say in interviews because it's really important. Mm-hmm. The first three months after my testimony, 
uh, you know, a, a, an unprecedented event occurred in our cumulative careers is we published a review paper. It went through three rounds of peer review at a top journal um, or at a high level journal. And um, it was accepted for publication and they wouldn't publish it week after week after week went by. Mm -hmm. And finally, you know me, Robert, I got a little bit of a temper. I'd had it. People were dying. It was, it was the winter 2020, 2021. People were dying like crazy. And I wrote to the journal and I told them that I suspected scientific misconduct was occurring due to their delays and that I was going to go public. And within days, the chief editor of all the journals, it was a collection of journals, um, reached out to my editor of my paper, which was Robert Malone. Mm -hmm. he, he actually was the editor of that special issue. And this chief editor explained to Robert that they called in an anonymous third party reviewer who had determined, you know, contrary to all the peer reviewers that I went through, which were top scientists actually at NAH, CDC, these were old colleagues of Robert. Mm -hmm. This guy said, that that anonymous reviewer felt that our conclusions were unsupported by our data and that they were retracting it. So like that was the first time I was like, whoa, the fix is in. But what really changed my life was in mid-March of 2021, I received an email from um, uh, a professor, a long-standing, one of the world experts on vitamin D. Um, he's got over 300 publications on vitamin D. And he wrote a two-line email. He said, Dear Dr. Corey, what they're doing to ivermectin, they've been doing to vitamin D for decades. And then he, he included a link, and it was a link to something called the Disinformation Playbook. Mm. And basically, it's an article about what industry, the tactics that industry uh, deploys when science emerges that's inconvenient to their interests. And mm. no more inconvenient science has ever emerged yeah. since the evidence of the efficacy of ivermectin in COVID. And, and so... Basically, then I suddenly, it was like a click, Robert. I, I suddenly saw the world very differently because mm -hmm. when you read that article, it's very simple. It's a short read. You, you can still Google it. If you Google it, it's, it's still a top hit. Um, but when they started to describe the different tactics, and it's, it's named after football plays, like the fake, the fix, the blitz, the screen, the diversion. And I read each tactic, and I was like, I saw that yesterday. They've been doing that for three weeks. You know, I had I had numerous examples of each of those plays, and it was suddenly like it was almost like getting the teacher's edition to the world. I was like, yeah. me and Paul, we're in a war. We're being we're fighting a war of disinformation, and we're also fighting in you know, a decades long war against repurposed generic drugs, right? Things that are not patentable or, or profitable. And right. they've been going after those in numerous disease models for years. Not only is it, are they, are they all pharma products, but as soon as they lose patent, they also become an enemy. Yeah. So, so they don't not only attack alternative uh, right. medicines, they attack their own medicines as soon as they leave, leave patent. Any, anything that competes with the profitability of the patent, petrochemicals are still under patent, uh, of course, becomes the enemy, as you point out. Now, in yeah. your journey uh, to an awakening in the recent years, how would you weigh out the friends you've lost versus the friends you've gained in this time? What would you say about your life in that regard? I love that you, the way you asked that question, because um, yes, both have happened. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't had like um, breakups with friends that, that had animosity in them. It's just that slow disappearance, you know, mm -hmm. your phone, you no more texts, no more check-ins. You know, I, when I left medicine, I had 15 years of teaching under my belt. You know, I was a program director. I ran a teaching program. I trained doctors in my specialty, medical students, residents. And 
you know, I wouldn't hear them from them all the time, but they always would check in or ask me questions every once in a while. And I always loved hearing from my students. And then, you know, once I guess I became a little bit of a public figure with opinions contrary to the consensus, especially around vaccines, mm-hmm. phone went quiet. But you asked the other thing, which is the, the friends and the colleagues and the experts I've gained. I mean, the people who've known this stuff, I mean, people so deeply studied on numerous aspects of the world and medicine, like it's basically been like a re-education. Like I, I've just learned a whole new thing. The other thing is too, is Robert, you probably know this, but I'm in private practice now. I focus solely on treatment of long COVID and vaccine injury. And I am learning so many different therapies from other disciplines that had you asked me about them three years ago, I would be like, ah, that's crystal healing quack shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you know, like even something like hyperbaric, it was just mm-hmm. ignorance. We're not taught about those approaches. We're not taught about the mechanisms or of the evidence bases surrounding lots of different stuff that is not used in the system. And I love it because my practice of medicine now is so much broader. You know, like I can learn about anything, you know, nutraceuticals, you know, different mm-hmm. compounds that they don't teach you in medical school or in training. And so, like, I find like there's this whole world I exhibit, mm-hmm. I, I inhabit where like I, I can help patients yeah. using like safe, time tested things, good mechanisms and with really good results that I never would have used in the past. And still more to learn. This is the exciting part. What I sense from you and what I sense uh, that I, thankfully, my Uncle Bob was right. Don't do what, you know, you did, but you also had done some great things. I'm not saying there's no benefit to it, but in many cases, uh, the medical school curriculum has become a prison of the mind. Yes. Uh, And even though you're learning extraordinary things, there's a limitation to that. And that's what I want to talk to you about more when we come back from this break. Briefly, our friends at brighteon.tv, take a pause. You guys are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show or watching it. Dr. Pierre Corey is my guest this hour. Come on over to robertscottbell.com, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll be back with more powerful healing after this. Okay, so we're, we are still on for everybody else that's watching on the various fields that watch us. In addition to the brighteon.tv, they take a, like a two and a half minute break or so. But dude, I, I'm loving the interaction with you, I, I knew that this would happen just seeing you on stage and delivering, uh, but it's such an exciting time. That's why I talk about a renaissance, yes. the ability to, to kind of go in, the, all the reasons we went into this, to so, finally come together with the people that have an alignment and purpose and mission, even though we have different areas of, ex, uh, ex, you know, where we excel or whatever, but the fact is we're coming together and that's the scariest thing for you know which entities. Uh, yeah. and that's why they try to divide us, tell us to, you know, stay separate. Don't, you know, don't, don't ever interact with anybody. You'll end up killing them. And, but the reason of course, is to keep us apart. Therefore we would never find out that we are, have much more in common than we have that divides us for instance. Oh, no, absolutely spot on. And um, like I said, I I love my new network. The only problem with the people I've met is Mm -hmm. it's so large. I have so many people and and I like everybody. I'm learning Mm -hmm. from everybody, but it's it's very hard to manage. Like I, I, you got, I wouldn't say I was a social recluse at all, but like I had a small, I had a small world. I had my yeah. family, I had a few close friends, a few close colleagues, and then, yeah. you know, the students. And Not, now it's like, I know people in dozens of countries. I know heads of organizations everywhere and, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's reaching out to me for help because they want me to speak or teach or do something. And it's like, and my problem, my whole career, Robert was, mm-hmm. and my wife sat me down 15 years ago. 
Yeah. He said, you need to learn to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the next day I go into work, some resident would come up to me and be like, hey, Dr. Corey, I got this, you know, idea for a project. And I was like, okay, let's start writing up the IRB. And da, da, da. Like, yeah. <laughs> I always say yes to everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's now the next thing. Otherwise, you have to be a permanent social butterfly and forget everything else. And, and there's some fun there, but that's not why we're here solely or totally. But it's great to have a, a good group of people that you can call friend and that support you and that are excited that you're, you're with us in this now. Yep. And uh, really pushing, I guess, what we call real science, and that is a, a willingness to question everything and anything. Yep. And uh, we look to validate at the same time we recognize that clinical experience may be dismissed as anecdotal, but it's how we first learn about things that we want to study more about. So there's no, no question. Yeah. The, the, you know. the, Three. Oh, we're back. Hey, it's Dr. Pierre Corey on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're having a great time behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera uh, with Dr. Corey. I wanted to uh, talk to you. I got so many questions for you. And a lot of it's philosophical because I just love talking about the philosophy of health and healing and all that you're encountering now in that. I just need to let everybody know briefly some of the upcoming events. Maybe some of them you'll be at. For all I know, we were at the Next Steps Conference together and, and been at a few over time. But if you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, that's where you can see many of the events. Some of them are online. Many of them are in-person events. And uh, just briefly, uh, the next travel trip I have is to Virginia. I've got a three-city tour with my friend Jonathan Emord, who is, you know, the health freedom attorney who's beaten the FDA back a world record eight times. And we're going to be touring in support of his efforts to become the next U.S. Senator from Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, the Hillary Clinton Democrat mandate every shot stooge that he is and uh this is jonathan emord we've got uh three events coming up 29th 30th and 31st in virginia and from there you can check him out at emord 4 va i wish i hope that everybody supports him in his effort because to have him and he has the endorsement of ron paul physician dr ron paul has endorsed my friend jonathan emord he doesn't endorse just anybody in fact jonathan emord wrote legislation for ron paul when he was uh, in the house because he's a freedom guy like Ron Paul. So you definitely want to support him after that. I'll be flying down to Sarah. No, where am I going? Uh, Clearwater, which no, it's not. Yeah, I think that's where it is. That's right. There it is. It's uh, the mind, body, soul restoration. Our friends at nutritional frontiers, you do a great job with third party validations on their supplements as well. And uh, they have an, a three day, two and a half day event, basically on the beach, a nice healing retreat. And I'll be there. Judy Mikevitz will be there. Uh, Tracy Straup and many others of my friends will be there. I'd love to see you at that event. That's coming up uh, first and second of April. Then I have uh, the Be Healthy Utah event. I think the 20th and 21st. There it is. And that's a conference in Sandy, Utah, just outside of Salt Lake, basically. And then we have a big event uh, with many of my friends joining us again in Nashville, Tennessee, with the Doctors Warner. There's Judy Mikevitz again. Uh, a lot of wonderful people coming together for that the end of April. And then there's even more after that. Uh, you guys got to keep scrolling down and see. We've got a big family union for the Robert Scott Bell Show, like a, a farmstead, homestead kind of thing, food, camping, organic pie. That's why I'm going and more <laughs> to see everybody. That's going to be a fun weekend in, in Missouri. And then I've got the Las Vegas Biomed Expo I'll be speaking at, moderating some panels September 14th through 17th. And be on the lookout. We'll be adding more events as they come in. I'm sure, Dr. Corey, you'll be at uh, some or all I, I don't know. You got to stay home some too. Sometimes I just got to go. No, no, I can't do that one. That's one too many. If the, that travel that you just outlined for yourself, that's the other problem I'm having is, mm-hmm. is just too much travel. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, listen, it's a historic time. You know, I do want to get good information out. I feel responsible to do that, but yeah, it's hard to balance everything. Yeah. We have links to uh, drpiercorey.com in the show notes today, robertscottbell.com, as well as 
uh, to the FLCCC Alliance, as well as his book, War on Ivermectin, The Medicine That Saved Millions and Could Have Ended uh, the COVID Pandemic, uh, coming out in hardcover on April 4th. Uh, so I guess uh, technically that's in uh, pre pre release at this point. I mean, yeah, it's it's almost there, almost there. Probably uh, six weeks from uh, from publication. Yeah. Now I, I wanted to share again the, some of the philosophy I had being kind of a science nerd. I I got to work on electron microscopes in high school. I mentioned I, I studied microbiology at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and then I ended up as a homeopath. They're like, "Oh, you wasted all of that to become a homeopath." No, it's why I'm alive and well in my mid to late late almost late fifties. Not going to say it yet. And run in circles around my 20-something-year-old self and and learning the things I learned outside of the official narrative saved my life and saved many people's lives. And many people are coming to that. And Dr. Corey is now aware of a lot more than the training had led him to. Now, I was reading peer-reviewed medical literature just because I was fascinated by what was being le- learned. And, and one of the things I did is I was traveling, you know, I didn't often just, you know, connect through cities, sitting with people at lunch to say, what's your story? I remember one, this is one of the most indelible memories I have sitting down next to a cardiologist and he, he was, he has stacks of medical papers and everything. He was getting ready to go to a medical conference. And I said, Hey, have you read, and this was in the nineties. I said, have you read about the controversy about cholesterol? Apparently cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. The entirety of, you know, giving statins, it, it makes no sense. He's, he looked at me very sternly. He's like, are you a doctor? I said, I'm a homeopath. Oh, and then his face got in a, a, in a bunch of like, how do you know this? I, I read these articles. Uh, and, and yet it was a very uncomfortable thing for him to acknowledge that he didn't have a monopoly on it. And also then the conflict comes when, if you know that, which he clearly had read, yet still prescribed statins, which he clearly was doing, many in the field are still doing, that they realize that if they don't, they are out of, you know, everything that they had in terms of the enjoyment of whatever money that came in for their lifestyle, whatever, to, to pay for their kids' college, whatever it was. But it was an economic imperative that despite the science that showed, obviously, their statin drugging of the population was wrong and not helpful, they had to do it or else they would be out. Yeah. So that was, that's been going on for decades. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they bake that into the system and there's quality standards, right, where, you know, you're judged on quality. Did you put, you know, if someone comes in with heart failure, you have to put them on a beta blocker. And I'm sh- you know, statins are written into that, too. You have someone high cholesterol and yeah. you're basically not following, you know, the expert society guidelines. And so that, you know, and, and you know, the other thing that, that you touched on is, you know, although you give this example of a cardiologist who's well versed or reads a lot of literature, to be honest, the vast majority of doctors, especially working full-time clinicians, yeah, they're not reading. Yeah, they're, they're not. And so they're really taking stuff from the top and the experts, which is the worst because you're only you really in order to really figure out the truth about any topic. You have to do it not only a deep dive, but you have to do a broad one. Right. It can't just be one source. And, you know, when you start reading other people's approaches and what they've understood, like especially around statins. I mean, if you look at the, the even the published statin trials. If you remove any of them that had pharmaceutical conflicts of interest and you just look at the independent trials, the conclusions are far, far different. And so, again, you have to have a knowledge that not everything is the truth in those journals, and it's a very narrow uh, mm-hmm. representation of scientific truth. And so, yeah, it's, it's so much I've learned. Well, and also when when you hear, I mentioned the word anecdotal, and it's not a bad word. It's actually st- a starting point in science. It's observation. And uh, I remember when we had uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel on, originally from Africa, fascinating woman, doesn't hold back. She wears her religious beliefs on her sleeve, and I think it drives her clearly, and I I respect that too. But she's like, I'm having 100% success. I'm like, 
not many things you could say have 90%, you know, and they, I remember when they claim 95% success for the COVID jab, that was part of the documentary. We show everybody repeating the same mantra when it was, it was relative risk if that, but yeah. you know, here you have people that have success. I'm like, that alone should have been whoever was president going, let's talk to these doctors and say, what are they doing? And it was the opposite. It's like, we got to shut these doctors down at all costs. I'm like, yeah. What do you value if that's if that's the, the you know, the way you go about anybody that claims success, you don't even investigate. Yep. No, I, the, the the you know, that that's you know, the so I talk about the corruption of the journals, but you're talking more uh, conceptually or even philosophically. Right. This yeah. this decades long turn to denigrating, you know, the powers of clinical observation of, of devaluing it nearly 100 percent. So any doctor who says hey, I've been using hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. The patients seem to get better very rapidly. Uh, that's that's just placebo effect. You can't really tell if it's working, which is absolutely absurd because when you become an expert in any field of medicine, one thing that you you get to get a real strong sense of is the, is the average trajectory of illness, how long they stay ill, what kind of combination. And when suddenly you introduce an intervention and you see that trajectory altered, you don't need a randomized control trial. You don't need any trial. Like you can tell when things are working, you know, not on one patient, but, and, and, but here's the thing, this is where the corruption gets bigger is not only do they now dismiss the, the powers of observation of even experts who've been treating diseases for 30, 40 years. And when they say that they're finding efficacy with this approach, that doesn't count. Individual doctor doesn't count, but then you go further and they literally now the way the, the rules of medical science research now is nothing but large, prospective, double-blind, multi-center, randomized controlled trials can change policy or reach any sort of recommendation. So no other science or data will ever get a medicine approved. And now who can afford those? There's only two entities that can afford those large multi-center trials. And that's, of course, Big Pharma and then our friends at the National Institutes of Health, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the same thing. Yeah. And so now they have all doctors in the world trained on the highest impact journals where only the biggest trials are published. And those trials are unfortunately, there's so many dozens of examples, they're completely manipulated for you know a preordained objective. They, they know they, it's a predetermined result. So they wanna push a medicine, they can design a, a trial to be positive. If they wanna attack a medicine, they can design a trial to be negative. And with that, they steer the entire ship. Yeah. And, and of course, the irony of the anecdotal reporting, it, it results in what? Off-label use of drugs. Oh, yeah. by the way, I know this wasn't approved of this, but we've tried it here and we seem to be having an impact that we maybe we should repurpose this thing. And that used to be kind of normal and standard. In fact, some companies got in trouble because they started promoting it before it was approved that way. But the right. physicians had the autonomy to do that. Now, suddenly they were attacked viciously for doing so. And if we go back even further to the layperson interaction on this discussion, we go to all the moms that approached their doctors that said, I don't know, my little Johnny, my little Susie was fine. And we got the first childhood or the second childhood shot and everything reversed. And they were gaslighted to say the least, much less denigrated because they weren't doctors. Yet who knows their children more than a mother that spends all the time that observes, observes, this is it. And then suddenly it's reversed. Just like you said, the course of a disease changed dramatically by one intervention and you know it, you've seen it and you're dismissed right outright. I mean, how, how do these moms feel? I like how you brought that up because I would say the best 
top clinicians in the world are the moms of their children. Yeah. You know, when you take a history from a mom of a, of a sick child, even adult, you know, when you're talking to the, the mom, I mean, they just know everything. They know everything that happened, what happened, associations with different foods, exposed, like they know all the stuff that makes their kids sick. And so, but moms are not listened to. When when that, when those vaccines injures kids, you know, they, they bring out that pejorative, right? The anti-vaxxer and suddenly, you know, you have, you have physicians in many places in the country they will not accept a child if the if the mother or father are against vaccination. They, they won't even accept them into their practice. Yeah. And, and so, but I like that point you said. I, I, moms know. They know. Yeah. Well, we've got to re- reassess our value system in terms of paying attention. And, and I think that's the cornerstone, as I said, of science. The moms observe. They report on their observations and they're dismissed, much like the physicians, like yourself, yep. report on top of the studies that you had done. But clinically, we're having some dramatic results here. We need to look at this. And of course, the agenda was the jab, the mRNA technology, bringing it out at all costs. So any kind of treatment had to be destroyed utterly or else there would be no a basis for an emergency use authorization. We talked about that economic imperative. That corruption goes to the highest levels of, of media, highest levels of, of medicine and government. And, and there we have these institutions that people relied upon and the grand disillusionment that has occurred in the last three years. Now, for the better, ultimately, we must be able to see through this, even if it hurts us to do so. And I, I had that disillusionment growing up in medicine and trusting and believing in all the science and realizing they were going to kill me. Uh, not because they wanted to at that time, it wasn't nefarious. It was just, this is what they were trained to do. I was not deficient in any drug or shot or surgery, but I had it all and I was not getting better. So for me, that's what drove my life as I observed that. And, you know, here we are, you know, the radical homeopath you're actually on the air with, and this will destroy your reputation from here going forward, Pierre. <laughs> I think that's hard to do at this point, Robert. <laughs> you know, in some circles, uh, I'm sure my repu- reputation is irrecoverable. But um, you know, I think the people who've who've listened to me and understand my approach, and that mm-hmm. you know, I, I I don't I don't really opine on stuff that I'm not deeply studied on, and so I stand by my word. Mm-hmm. My my conclusions are not superficial, and um, you know, I think there. are I believe I'm speaking truth. Uh, I mean, as best as I, as the best available evidence that I can amass to form my opinions, I do. And, yeah. and, you know, I think I, I found that a lot of people appreciate that and, and, you know, yeah. I'm not going to change. Well, authenticity is, is something rare, although I, I'd like to think that it's growing in, in uh, desirability as a trait and people are finding their authenticity as well. And I think that's what draws people to you and others, I, you know, like Peter McCullough, who I've been on stage with as well. And, yep. you know, I, I lecture on nutrition and homeopathy. And after the, the talks, he comes up to me and says, I, had, I didn't know anything about that. Right. And what, you know, he's at the top of his field in cardiology. Before he might have denigrated me is like, why are you even on the stage with me? So there's been a lot of transformation. And I, and I think coming back to uh, an egalitarian uh, playing field where yeah. we look, each of us has strengths, weaknesses. I don't pretend to know what he knows or you know, but I love being able to engage and discuss and we learn from each other and we're all better off for it. And then those that come to us for help are better off for it. And that, <laughs> if that's not why we got into this, maybe find something else to do. Yep. No, I'm learning so much. I, I, you know, we have, you know, in fact, if, if you look at our, my nonprofit, right, the FLCCC, you know, 
we we've been putting out you know we've been working on a protocol and i think you guys have too you know on, on how to address vaccine injury in long haul but that's really coming out of a really great collaboration with different providers from different disciplines yeah. you know different approaches to healing and and we're just learning a lot from each other it's a really rich conversation uh paul and i are we're just learning new things every day about disease and therapies and it's great oh robert i want to say one thing when you when you talked about all of those upcoming conferences and stuff, I think you had one that was April 28th to 30th. Yeah. Um, and I saw Jordan Vaughn was a speaker on one of those conferences. Uh, I think he's double booked because uh -oh. the FLCCC, we're having our second, mm -hmm. um, now our second annual, it's going to be semi-annual um, medical up, conference on the approach, uh, mm -hmm. understanding and treating spike protein induced disease, mm. you know, which is long COVID and, and vaccine injury. And, you know, we have a, a, a really good roster of, of people from different backgrounds where we're teaching, um, uh, you know, we're trying to share our knowledge of how we're treating and di diagnosing and treating these patients. Go full screen on that, Super D. Let's see if that's way at the bottom. I saw Jordan Vaughn. I'm going to yell at him. Yeah. Well, or maybe can he sneak out for like a day and come? Well, back? we're we're in Texas. I don't think okay. he can be in Texas and Nashville on the it's same weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. So we'll definitely reach out to him and say, make sure you're at the place you need to be. But yeah, there's a good crowd of people that will go in both places. We can't all be everywhere at once. Maybe he's going to like Skype in or something, maybe, right? Oh, maybe he can do that. Possible. Yeah. yeah. They've go. done that before. They've had remote yeah. in. So that's a possibility as well. But uh, I'm glad that these events are going on. And, you know, we didn't stop, uh, although we were reduced in scheduling over the you know the most too intense years of craziness in COVID. But uh, I connected with many physicians that uh, were not afraid. And we, we had uh, events and we found ways around the restrictions. I remember in, in uh, what was the first year, it was um, an event Memorial Day weekend we had in North Carolina in uh, charlotte and we were meeting at a hotel and then the governor himself was trying to shut us down it's like you can't meet that and they wanted us to have like six people in a large ballroom and then we found a way there was no, nothing about using the open atrium uh, area of a hotel so with that loophole we were able to and people were sitting on each other's laps in the middle of the fear of covid nobody was afraid that it was, was like great. it was the coolest thing but you know those things were the super spreader events nobody got sick nobody died on and on it, it went we had to push back against such ridiculous fear but understand that fear has been kind of embedded into our dna over centuries right the fear of the germ and i've said this is a big vulnerability we had going in that if they were going to divide us and, and conquer us it wouldn't necessarily be from an outside uh you know uh invader it would be from our own fear of germs that they could tell us we're being invaded by germs and the only way is to shut down and lock down and of course it happened the question is, have we matured into a better understanding, a broader understanding of the terrain as well to stop the insanity of just running in, in hiding as opposed to understanding the immune system itself has the ability to withstand a lot of these things. Although what is, I'll admit, unusual about COVID that it seems to be an engineered product, not a naturally occurring phenomenon. Yeah, no, well, no question. I, I think this, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the history of pandemics since, uh, you know, 1918, 1918 influenza, mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's been a lot of them where they've tried to do the same trick with COVID, right? Which <laughs> is like, you know, Zika, Ebola, you know, uh, H1N1, SARS, MERS. I mean, you know, they've they've tried to frighten and, and you know, the, the fear mongering in order to 
achieved these. I, I don't even want to go into the, the, the darker stuff, but but yeah. really the, the, the approach was insane. And the, the approach to COVID departed from a century of studying how to control epidemics and pandemics. And lockdowns was never part of it, yeah. ever. You know, and they immediately just and, and, you know, public health officials worldwide had been saying that before COVID, that there's no role for lockdown. And then what did we do? We immediately locked down. Right. I hope he, where we are now, Robert, is that when they try to do this again, I I, I don't know what what the general understanding is of the general public, but. Mm. I hope we don't repeat. I, I think you're going to see a lot of the same corruption and fraud occur because sure, these sure. these are really ripe times for those who have other um, ulterior objectives. Yeah. But I, the lockdowns, I hope we've learned from. I mean, that 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 was so damaging. I, I'd like to think that we we don't fall prey to that same thing. But we know things have been leaked. Things have been written. There's another one coming. You know, they, they're planting the seeds just as they planted the seeds for this. And the question is, will we withstand that fear-mongering this time. And and it's, you know, partly, I think, it, the efforts that you're undertaking and many of your colleagues and me and others to to get us past that so that they can't trick us and deceive us. Now, other things that I, I pointed out, back in the 90s, I was reading literature on Ebola. That was a fascinating, scary disease, right? And then I found literature that showed that when they basically supplemented or restored selenium into the soils, into the people, that it immediately went away. There was no drug or vaccine required. And even early on in COVID, there was a report out of China. I saw University of Hawaii republished it that showed in areas of high selenium content, there was little or no COVID manifestation anywhere near that. Where it was lowest, that's where it you know, blasted. The, wow. the and, and selenium is known to stop viral issues, viral replication. So yeah. that's not even controversial, but we're saying, oh, selenium's that's scary. That's dangerous. Don't take too much selenium. The very thing that could save us in many cases, they say, oh, that's the danger. Well, look, that's that. Well, that's the other thing, right? I think we've talked a lot, about a lot already, but you know, it, this isn't about public health. It's not protecting the health of, you know, no. if it was, we would have had a national vitamin D uh, repletion uh, campaign. You know, we we know that almost most of America is vitamin D deficient. We know how important it is in protecting against infections. Mm -hmm. Selenium, I didn't even know about that. That's, that's an interesting perspective. But if you bring forth any solution that is going to interfere with their solution that they want to provide you, yeah. no one talks about it, right? But mm -hmm. I, I do want to say one more thing on that is that mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I can give you so many examples of who I was before COVID and, and, and I can really make fun of myself. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recognize you. Yeah. So, so number one, I read the New York times cover to cover every day, had my whole life, believed everything it said, period. Mm -hmm. You want to know what the truth is? You go to New York times, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the paper record, you know, pinnacle. That's one thing I believe. Mm -hmm. I also believed that really outside of valcyclovir, gancyclovir, you know, there's really, there was no effective antivirals. I, I didn't think that you could, you know, viral infections, you just, you know, let them run their course and there's nothing specific to treat them. Right. Now I know of, uh, actually there's 42 different effective interventions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to mitigate the severity and really to treat viruses. And so that is a whole world that's opened up to me. And so I'll tell you my, the reason why I don't have fear of the next pandemic Mm -hmm. Is we got I yeah. I know plenty of stuff that can you know take care of any exactly. any virus they throw at us so I'm not scared. No, right? and that's a, a great perspective and point to bring up is that part of the fear is that we've been programmed to believe there isn't anything. Much like the cancer industrial complexes, there are yep. no cures. But you know, and if somebody comes up and says it, oh man, they are squashed. I joke that they you know if you claim you have a cure for cancer and you even have scientific backing for it, 
they will find you in 24 hours or less and shut you down. Maybe even imprison you and take all your money away, but it took them 10 years to find Osama bin Laden, right? It's like, <laughs> what does that tell you about the danger they perceive in terms of terrorism, right? Who's the real danger? People who can cure disease with no big pharma, you know, patented drugs, for instance, or, or monopoly techniques. Uh, you know, coming back to the selenium thing, that is another aspect of all viral diseases. Uh, you know, the, uh, Dr. Batar used to call um, selenium birth control for viruses. I well, think also we'll look back on viruses and say we got it all wrong. I mean, we're, we're a lot of this is theoretical. Is it really causative or is it a result of dysregulation and on and on it goes outside of the, the engineering of this stuff? Also, silver, you know, the silver ions play a huge role. We have so much science on that in terms of antimicrobial activity, but it stops viral replication as well. And we can take that at safe level. So my kids have never been vaccinated. They're 23 and 17 and a half, and they've never once even had an antibiotic. And they've had infections, you know, it's like, but I found ways with natural medicine, homeopathy, other things to raise them and navigate without having to resort to it, even though I believe there's a place for modern medicine. I've never said there isn't, but if yeah. you can use it less, you're better off. 100%. And especially the, you know, you, you brought up the cholesterol hoax. Mm. Um, you, you start to learn there's a lot of hoaxes. I mean, vaccines are yeah. hoax. They're a complete myth. And and the robust health of the unvaccinated children, you know, yeah. now those are studies that have been done. And I've seen some of the results. They're never published in journals, but mm -hmm. it's not even close. It's not even close. We have generation of kids with now we're up to 72 shots in the vaccine schedule. And that's one of the reasons why I was down. I was, I was, not only honored, but I felt responsible and committed mm -hmm. to go down to the state legislature last week and try to protect the kids of Wisconsin. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to sound grandiose, but no, like, it, 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 it's it's a reality to me that like I know kids are going to get injured. And Robert, that testimony going back to it, do you know what they were doing? They were trying to mandate a meningococcal vaccine for to enter school. Mm -hmm. Now, keep keep this in mind. Do you know how many cases of meningococcus we've had in Wisconsin in the last five years? On average, six to 10 cases, but wait for it, wait for it. Guess how many of those cases were from a strain that that vaccine targeted? One, hmm. one per year for five years. And they're, they're proposing putting a, a needle into okay. hundreds of thousands of kids. You know, probably the, it's gonna be the fifth needle of that shot where they're gonna yeah. get four others with it, never taste the, test the efficacy. And so, you know, I, I, I got really scared for the kids and parents of Wisconsin who yeah. they don't have, you know, like I was talking to a buddy of mine, you know, the average guy, if you work at Home Depot or something like that, you're trying to keep your family, they don't have the time to do the mm -hmm. deep dive. They, they generally have to trust the authorities and the experts. And like I wanted, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I had data showing absolutely how ludicrous it was. And I thought it was really yeah. important that I get that out there. Trust the authoritarians at your own risk or the risk of your family and loved ones. By the way, shout out to my friend, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack and IPAC at EDU. They're doing a lot of great work in the sciences outside of the conflicts of interest. He's invited me to speak today on silver at seven o'clock Eastern through his, um, I think it's a Zoom meeting and I'm gonna be going through the science of copper, I think specifically. A lot of the deficiencies uh, exacerbated COVID. In fact, with zinc and vitamin C dropping copper levels even further inadvertently, we saw a lot of things that were not considered and uh, I got to consider them. So I'm going to be talking about that with that group. And Dr. Pierre Corey, we're out of time, but good, good Lord, it's about time we get you on here, man. What a great time to have you. Pleasure. Pleasure. And, um, it was great to see you. Great to talk to you. And uh, I love listening to you, man. You, you're your wealth of knowledge and you, you've you been awake for a long time. I'm, I'm jealous that you, you raised your kids uh, uh, without vaccines because I, I wish I had. So the healthiest kids I see as, or as I travel around the world are the least or not vaccinated at all. That's an observation, but you're right. 
uh, Paul Thomas and others have put it out there. That's valid. So, Dr. Pierre Corey, welcome here anytime, my friend. Definitely. Thanks. Right. See you again. Bonus Bye. round coming up. The power to heal is yours. Wow, that was a fun show today. I tell you, man, for a Monday, Monday didn't suck at all. <laughs> that was some serious show going on today. That was a serious show. Awesome guests there. Yeah. Ah, John Stockton, Pierre Corey. Pierre, man, he's a dude. He's a smart dude, man. He's, yeah. he's diligent in his efforts. And, you know, this is a, a case study, if you will, of another doc who, like my uncle, I believe, and many docs that go in it for the right reason but are completely programmed. And he acknowledges and talked about it. It's not, it's not even it's not an accusation. It's just, this is what we are dealing with now. And those that are capable and able and willing and, you know, deciding to are seeing through the limitations of their own training to, to embrace great, great things and great things are happening. You know, and that's why I would love to focus all on those great things, but there are good people coming together to make it better. A Renaissance is happening yet. I know there's a lot of attempts to stop it and derail it for all the reasons we discussed, but, you know, people are speaking out. John Stockton, man, not afraid at all. He went all the way in when we talked about Magic Johnson as well. That was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that was cool. Good show today, man. Dude. Good show today. This will be worth, worthy of an encore at some point for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know how soon, but uh, anyway, I, I know that this Friday you're going to be heading out and we're going to take what? Is it St. Patrick's Day on Friday? It is. We'll take, we'll take a day off. Yep. That'll be that'll be awesome. Indeed. Coming up. So uh did any of y'all that are still in the chat room watching, did you get to watch the documentary that premiered on Saturday? Uh we had three different times. Two of those times I was able to join in for QA afterwards. Uh, I think that the plan is to make it available for free widely at any time, uh, starting on Wednesday the 15th, but where the Ides of March and the, the documentary. Uh did anybody any all out there see it? catch it i know that Lori did our friend Lori harvey she was commenting in the in the chat room and at least at least her maybe there were others as well when we were doing the q a afterwards but yeah good good uh good documentary film let's see what else we got going on here oh steven saw the first airing very good any any insights you got share it please share the when it becomes available widely we'd love to have more people uh uh, watch that thing. I think it provides some thought discussions on things that you don't see and haven't seen in any other documentary. So there's some unique aspects of that toward the end as well. Uh, let's see what else we got the 15% off. There it is. Yeah. I'm looking at that. Um, nutritional frontiers has the March madness. I'll call it that. They didn't March allergy solutions at 15% off, including the inner DMD that I'm doing every day as a lozenge to counteract the glyphosate exposure, but there's also immune benefits, a lot of great benefits from the NRDMV. Not only is it 15% off, but with the RSB 15 code, you get an additional 15% off off that and Air Max and the NAC they have and Pro Oranges and Super Shake Vanilla and an Irish Shake combination of the month. So thank you to Jamie Dorley and the crew at, you know it, Nutritional Frontiers. Once again, Folium PX, 10% off, uh, get the three-pronged approach, the Folio uh, I'm sorry, Folium PX, and then they got the Immune and Folium Relax. Those are profound to get mom at 89 back on the dance floor. And if it can do that to her, for her, what can it do for you? Check that out. What else we got going on? Oh, uh, Diane watched it twice. Well done. Thanks, Diane. I appreciate that. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. And uh, there's a guy that I think was also either from Minnesota or Wisconsin, a congressman, because uh, one of the, the pieces of the... Um, 
the documentary, documentary, and now I can't speak. <laughs> documentary uh, was about uh, you know talking about the ownership of your body being tantamount to slavery. I mean, what is slavery if not you own another person's body, for instance? And and uh, my friend Jennifer Sharp, brilliant documentarian and filmmaker uh, from Anecdotals, I you know sent her a review copy before it was completed. Uh, and she, you know, she reviewed it and it was pretty good, but she, that part, she's like, I, man, I don't, it got me thinking, but I don't really get it. You know? So at that point, um, the filmmakers behind the scenes said, you know what, we need to substantiate that some more. And they found a, a, a guy who's a child of a white and a black woman. So mixed race and talking about that very issue that, that the ownership of the body, the mandating of vaccines or drugs or anything is tantamount to slavery. And it's a it's an uncomfortable thing, depending on your perception or perspective on what slavery is. But does it not come down to the ownership of of humans by other humans? And if they can force you to accept a medical experiment against your will or anything, uh, then the question is, are you free? And it's a, I think it's a legitimate analogy to make. And I think it's uncomfortable, but it needs to be made. So. But you got super D. Do you enjoy the, the Stockton interview? You seem to like being able to inter- engage with him. I did. That was cool. Yeah, that that was cool. I <clears throat> have not uh, have not thought about really, you know, the NBA and stuff. I, I really, I was a big fan. I was really into it, and I was, um, but that was that was a, a different time, mm-hmm. and that was when you had all of those guys that we considered legends. Yeah, that were playing, and so to have him on the show was that was, was you know, come on, it's not every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the same thing. Like like I said, when we have. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody on, like uh, Pat Militich, who actually is interviewing you later. Yeah, an hour today, from now, right? I'm going to be joining Pat Militich in, on his show. I think it's—I don't know if it's live or a pre-record. Do you? I don't know. I—I'm I th- going to say I think it's pre-recorded, okay. but I. And then right after that, that I've got to connect with uh, James Lineswiler and IPAC.edu. We we didn't send. Oh, can you show everybody the link to that? I think he did a, put it up on Substack. It's in the show notes. Okay, very good. Let me get back over to it. Hold on. Yeah, scrolling, 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 all the way down to the bottom of the notes, I think. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Popular okay. Rationalism is uh, Jack's uh, site there. And it says, did you know that zinc deficiency is real? Probably as you likely take zinc. How about copper? Why do some say copper is toxic, yet others, like the illustrious and informed Robert Scott Bell, <laughs> say it's essential <laughs> to health? Find out. Monday, that's today, uh, the March 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Copper deficiency, the myriad manifestations of disease diagnoses. Uh, so cool. we're going to hit that, uh, and I'll do a little PowerPoint on Zoom with that one. So that could be fun. So All busy right. day. So I have just a little bit of time off. We'll do a few more minutes, and then we'll cut the uh, uh, extended version of our bonus round short so I can take a breather and make sure I have the PowerPoint ready and a few other things before uh, I have to, well, I get to, let me just say this, get to be on Pat Militich's show as well as uh, the IPAC.ed-edu interview on copper. All right. What else do we had? Any questions, comments we missed today? Any announcements that I didn't know about? I'm not holding out. Mm-hmm. You're not? Steven saw the first airing. Mm-hmm. Mom says, awesome show today. Oh, mom. Mickey loves Dr. Mom. Pierre Corey. Mom was going way back in basketball. You know, well, you know, I was a New Yorker for the first six years of my life. And mm-hmm. back in the time in the late 60s and early 70s, New York Knicks were actually a good team. And yeah. uh, she remembers Dave DeBuscher, my mom, 
remembers. And of course, Walt. New York Knicks. I think who was, Earl, who was the guy? Monroe. I mean, there's some great early seventies, uh, New York Knicks teams, but that's wasn't Patrick. Wasn't Patrick Ewing. Yeah, New York that Knicks. was eighties and beyond. That was, so yeah. beyond. So, well, then that's my, that's my time. So I was going yeah. back to my childhood learning about the, you know, that, yeah. of course the Celtics and, and Red Auerbach and all that, but, uh, we were, yeah. we were the Knicks fans back then. Now I still kind of like, uh, uh, what's the guy from the Atlanta Hawks? The little guy. I like the little guys, you know, sometimes they're just overachievers. What's his name? You don't remember him? Trey Young. No. Trey Young. No. Yeah. I think little guy, I think Spud. Oh, Webb. That little guy. Not that little, but Trey Young. That, a, that dude yeah. was something else, man. Because, well, he was like five. Six, maybe? Five, something, five. yeah, like, like that. He was sitting there slam dunking the ball. Yeah. That, that was, those were amazing. He was a. Yeah, those were the years I was back in Atlanta with Dominique and Spud, and uh, man, that, that was some fun teams there. Too. Oh yeah, they never could beat the Celtics yeah. though. That, one of the most gr- the greatest games I ever saw was Dominique Wilkins versus Larry Bird in the playoffs. Mm. Like they each scored like fifty or sixty points each. And and what was his name? Uh, Kevin McHale yeah. was the center. Right. That dude was like a yeah. hundred feet tall. He's like one of the tallest centers I've. Uh, you, I think it was uh, that were playing at the time, but yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Basketball history here to bore everybody to tears. He kind of looked like Herman Munster, but he was like uh, <laughs> just big old giant tall. Diana dude. Kate, Diana remembers. Uh, let's see, Julia Serving. He said she says her uncle played college. Doctor J, yeah, Doctor J with the hook shot and the dunks. He was one of the most yep. amazing things. So, yeah. good times, dude. Yeah. We had some yeah. good times. So trying to create some more good times. But y'all enjoyed it thoroughly with Dr. Pierre Corey. And you got to play against the Harlem Globetrotters, so you're no uh, slouch yourself. That's right. Well, what were they called? The Harlem Legends. <laughs> the Harlem Legends, right? Yes. Um, yes. We had uh, a group uh, out of Atlanta, the uh, Living Strong. There's a video of this somewhere. Strong. I don't know yeah. what happened to yeah, it. Yeah, Healing but... Strong. And I uh, actually made a layup. I'm like, that was amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a good basketball. Let's just say it. I can have fun on the court. I, I wasn't either, but I loved watching it. Dude, I got a lot of talking to do today. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, just a, a quick sneak peek for this week here. Tomorrow, we will have Amelia Love mm-hmm. in our one. We met her at the uh, Reawaken America tour in Nashville. She's in Atlanta. And couldn't- James Patrick mm-hmm. uh, in our two. You know who James Patrick is? Um, hold on. He's a film. He's a film director, an economist, and an investigator. And in response to the global lockdowns in 2020, he directed the international oh, documentary Planet Lockdown. Planet Lockdown. So we will have him on. Oh, that's right. Now I yes, I remember him now. Yes, I met James, and um, he. Sorry, he's uh, releasing a film on the Dutch farmers, and it's called Nitrogen 2000. That that's good. Yeah, no, I'm glad to have him on. He's cool. Um, yeah, let's see who else do we have going on this week? Uh, we have got a guy, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, Elon Ferdmom. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're prefer- a personal professional performance coaches, okay, and they, uh, they're referred to as the transformation inner engineers, and uh, the. This is something that uh, we will be able to talk about. And I believe this has to do with people that are looking at perhaps um, getting involved in their own businesses. Mm. 
which a lot, you know, a lot of people that are looking at, you know, they're going to yeah. Trinity School of Natural Health, yeah, yeah. they're wanting to hang their own shingle. That's good. And this is something that may be able to benefit them. Yeah. Then what do we have on Thursday? We should have Jonathan E. Mord as usual. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Soloway. And we've got David, Dr. Stephen Soloway in hour two. Mm -hmm. And then we're off on Friday. Day. Wow, a rare day yeah. off. And where, what yes. are you doing? You're going to have fun visiting family? I'm traveling. Yeah, I'm going to go see my son right. um, in Eastern Oregon, make a weekend. Which one? You got like 10 different children. I can't even keep up with you. Patrick. Okay, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. They had a Patrick. Yeah. Yes. I, I will. Well, I definitely will. Yeah. So, yeah. I do that every once in a while. We didn't, you know? we didn't get to talk about the economic banking stuff much. I know there was an article from Brownstone, where is the Occupy Silicon Valley uh, article? Yeah, I'm thinking let's bring that up with Emort on Thursday because sure. we're still kind of learning a little bit more about what's going on with that. But yeah. I, I, I'm sure you must have noticed, and I'm sure some other people listening right now noticed that there was a bank run yeah. <laughs> over the weekend or on Friday, I think it was, yeah. or something. It's like a bank run. What are you talking about? You don't have bank runs, but uh, apparently there's a couple of banks that have failed. Yeah. Uh, FDIC, you know, which is the organization that guarantees your money up to a certain amount or something like that, had to step in, take over the assets of, of these banks, and it freaked a lot of people out. And so, you know, if, if you are thinking that perhaps the money that you've got in the bank isn't there anymore, uh, what are you going to do, right? You're going to run down to the bank and try and take your money out. Um, well, what are you going to do? That's a question that, you know, is on everybody's mind. You know, my, my wife was listening to Mike Adams. Honey, get your, get your money out of the bank right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, it's not, look, they're going to bail out these guys like they always do and inflate the money supply as long as they can until they can't. And when is that? I don't know. But yes, you must have strategies to go beyond the banking system and Federal Reserve notes are your absolutely, I'm not going to use well, the word moron because, you know, we're all ignorant economically for much of our lives until we learn that, hey, there's a whole other world of economic interchange that doesn't rely on Federal Reserve notes, but you've got to practice now, not when you have to, much like growing food. You can't start when you have to. You've got to start now. I was listening to some interviews throughout you know, the morning on on the news. I always have the news on and I'm listening while I'm doing show prep. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, an interview being done with with some economic specialist, expert, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and he brought up a point that I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, as time has gone on and yeah. uh, technology has advanced, you know, it used to be that, you know, if you were going to, there was going to be a run on the bank, there was going to be a long line of people waiting to get in the door to get to the teller to get to right. withdraw their Nobody money. Nobody uses tellers well, anymore. Nobody uses them anymore. Now you want to make a withdrawal from your bank, you can do it on the app on your phone. Right. And so you, when it happened was, the, I don't know, maybe they weren't prepared for this, didn't think about it or whatever like that. But once people started hearing about this, everybody got on their phones and on their computers and withdrew their money. Yeah. And so it was this this crazy situation that that developed over the over the weekend. So anyway, I think it'll be interesting to hear what Emord has to say about that. But I'm curious to see whether this is going to have some kind of ripple effect. It's kind of scary a little bit. I mean, not for me because I don't have a bunch of money tied up in a bank. Yeah, but, but we know the inevitable. Uh, I mean, Ron Paul has said this is going to happen, and others that, like I said, I mean, imagine if you you've got a business mm -hmm. and you're banking with a bank, and you've got millions of dollars that are in the bank, and then suddenly there's like you know, well, sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, we we made some mistakes. Looks like our bank is uh, going under. Mm -hmm. Well, where's all that money? You know, it's 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 kind of interesting because. 
you know, I think a lot of people are still under the wrong impression that, you know, they go and they deposit their money in the bank and they think that their money is in the bank. Yeah. It's not in the bank. No. You know, no. they keep in the banks, they keep just enough for what they think they need in order for people. If they come in and they say, I'd like, you know, some money and yeah. they give them some money. They have nothing at that bank is not full of money. Yeah. They have nothing. They invest that money. Yeah. It's, it's, which it's is, an unconscionable contract, the banking industry. Uh, just, yeah. They just, they take that money, they invest it. <laughs> and if they mess up. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I mean, people are tempted. I know for the longest time, you know, the whole idea of putting your money in a bank was A, for quote, safekeeping, right? You know, you know where, where your money is. Mm -hmm. And B, you know, it was like, well, if you put it in the bank, then they pay you back interest and you, you make some money, right? You know, because you have your, your money in there. Uh yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you should start thinking about doing something else because, you know, if the banks go under, your money's gone. What have I been telling everybody? I know, I know, I know. Here we're getting closer by the day. I don't know the date, but. Back in the day, great, great grandma used to put it in a coffee can, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Gun. So that's right. All right. Well, thank you all anyway. for being here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lori says she works for a payment processing company. I asked my boss if I should be worried about my job. He had no clue about the bank fails. Yeah, there's just such cluelessness in that industry as well. Everybody just puts their head down, does their job, has no knowledge of how it all works. So, yeah. All right. Well, I um, suppose I had to grab some music here, huh? Yeah, get it ready, and then we'll go out. And then 45 <laughs> minutes from now, I'm cranking it up again, and I'll be busy for the next couple hours after that uh, talking some more. So I'm going to preserve them. Let's live, let's live dangerously. You know, I've used the same two uh, ending uh, songs for a really long time, yeah, and I've yeah. forgotten what some of these other ones are. Okay. So I have them numbered. So there's like two – or no, excuse me. It's four and 12 are the ones that we always end with. Okay. But I've got five, six, seven, eight, and nine here. All right. Well, so I have no idea what these are. I can't remember. So Robert, pick pick one. Pick five, six, seven, eight, or nine. Man, I'm gonna get in Go trouble. Mom's it. gonna be yelling at me. I didn't like that one. <laughs> I think they're all Grandma Mickey friendly, though. That's true. So uh, they are all named Mickey friendly. So I think I think we're safe. So five, six, seven, eight, or nine. I'm going eight. Eight. Yeah. All right. We'll end with eight. See you all tomorrow. God bless you.